today's podcast, we got on a living legend. And I don't toss that around too often, but in powerlifting, um, if you, you know, I made a post one time and I said, not all legends in powerlifting are going to be Instagram famous. And, um, and this got shared by, you know, some of the bigger names you've worked with, Matt, uh, like, like Dennis, Sam, Bryce Lewis, and like, you know, the champions, people's favorite lifters, favorite lifter. Okay. So a lot of these younger crowd would be like, oh, so-and-so is my favorite lifter. And so-and-so is in their early twenties and they're vying for a national title. And that so-and-so, their favorite lifter are the Sam Calhouns and the Bryce Lewis's and the Dennis Cornelius's and the Ray Williams, who are a little older around 30. And your favorite lifter's favorite lifter is probably looks up to this guy. Okay. He's probably a mentor to him. He's probably handled them. If you don't know who Matt Gary is, uh, I mean, I would say pick up a book, man, but we don't, we don't have enough books on powerlifting history. That's why we have these podcasts, my man, but thank you for being here. Uh, you've been in the game longer than most of these, our listeners probably been alive. And, um, you know, maybe we'll do like a quick background on yourself. Cause I take for granted, everybody should know who Matt Gary is for God's sake. And God, we talk about you on the podcast often. And we're like, look, it's a firefight and somebody has got Matt Gary handling him on game day. Um, that's an advantage, but some people just to beat this dead horse because people need to know, can you give us a, just a brief background? When did you get in the game and, uh, and what you did? First of all, thank you for that amazing introduction. Um, I, I, I appreciate being on your show. I'm always honored when I guess people want to listen to what I have to say. So thanks again for having me back, Arian. It's nice to be with you as well. Um, I just appreciate the accolades and just the wonderful introduction. Um, I, I, I don't think of myself that way, but I'm glad that I feel honored that others do. So, um, cause I feel like I've come up through this sport and frankly, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants to be quite honest with you. Um, so, but to answer your question specifically, I've been involved in powerlifting since 1995. Uh, so 26 years. So that was my very, very first competition. So as you said, probably been competing and around the sport longer than, than a lot of the listeners. Um, in terms of coaching and kind of cutting my teeth at a national team level, uh, we're looking at 2003. Uh, that was my very first uh, baptism, if you will, into national team coaching. And that was under the tutelage of our USAPL president, Dr. Larry Maley. He was the women's, uh, 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 this was the, 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 the national team for equipped powerlifting. He was, he was the uh, head coach and my now wife, but then girlfriend, Susie Hartwig Gary, who's a 29-time national champion and a six-time IPF world champion, um, won her first open that's equipped IPF worlds in Chicago that year. And to make a long story short, she invited me to come along. I thought she wanted me to be there as a spectator. She said, no, you're going to be my, my, my game day coach. And I just kind of looked at her, you know, shocked and said, well, I'd be honored to do that. And so I just literally went into the warm-up room and, and really kind of humbled myself, frankly, just, you know, said, look, Larry, I'm, I'm here to learn. This is my first world championships. I have zero experience. I will pull up straps. I will wrap knees, roll wraps, chalk backs, you name it. Let me be your laborer. And, um, and so I was. And so, you know, obviously I had seen Susie's training. And so I was kind of a conduit to him in terms of telling him about Susie's attempts. And uh, anyway, lo and behold, Susie won her first 
uh, Open equipped uh, world championship on that day. And every subsequent year that Susie was invited back on the team uh, to, to be on the, on the national team, or I should say qualified for the national team, which is many times over. She's one of the most decorated American lifters and she's competed in as many world championships as I think most of the other ladies with the exception of maybe Priscilla Ribic. But anyhow, um, every time that Susie would qualify, Larry would then invite me back on to be an official assistant coach. And mm. that's how I kind of cut my teeth and grew up through the rankings, if you will. And so from 2003 till 2008, I was an assistant on every single one of those teams, uh, the women's teams. Th these were equipped. Obviously, this was pre-raw. Um, and also, uh, I knew a lot of the men's lifters. Uh, I had a relationship with David Ricks and Tony Harris and Irvin Gaynor. And those are some of the lifters, the big name lifters back then, Jason Beck, so on and so forth. And so I was oftentimes an assistant coach on the men's equipped teams as well. But in 2008, I got my first head coaching appointment for an NAPF team. And, uh, and if anybody knows anything about the NAPFs and those teams, um, I mean, it's still an IPF meet, but it's, you know, kind of that second tier of IPF meet. They can be kind of crazy because you're dealing with lifters that might be less experienced. Arian's smiling, he knows. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of like herding cats at times. And of course, that was, that, that, was, that was an equipped team. And I had lifters, you know, who want to open up 20 kilos over their personal best and all that kind of stuff. So Anyway, so I coached my, I got my head, first head coaching appointment in 2008 and literally just things caught fire from there. Um, the following year, I was bestowed, frankly, the greatest honor I could ever receive. And I was allowed to be the head coach um, of the men's team at the World Games. So, uh, and that was in Kaohsiung, Taiwan in 2009. So I was the head coach of the, of the men's team. And that's, I mean, that's like being the head coach of an Olympic team. So yeah. Well, the world games is crazy in terms of a multi-sport. Yeah. It's just truly amazing. And so it, that like was they a, have an athlete. I want to jump back into your resume because yeah. I actually is turning into a story and I like it, but they actually have like an athlete village for these things. Is it not like, like I read a bit of, I've never been to a world games, um, but they have like an athlete village. Like they, how many events do they have sporting events? At that, at the World Games, do they have? Do you know? I I don't know exactly. Uh, it, it's quite a few, and and so, uh, but you're right. The athletes, you know, kind of live and stay and and share residence in a particular part of town. And you know, even arriving in Kaohsiung, Taiwan, it's the entire city is just smattered with with posters and billboards and lights and everything on the streets just advertising so yeah i mean most of these countries really do roll out the red carpet for these world game experiences you know just like you remarked in sweden a couple of years ago at the raw world championships when you see these gigantic billboards with isabella von weissenberg on there yeah it's kind of the same theme if you will for these world games competitions so I that think was even more of, so though i think it's yeah, like world it's, games is freaking uh, they it's have incredible. a lot of viewers. I'm pulling it up right now as we speak. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And, and it was really cool also just to go and watch some of the other sports. You know, some of these one-off competitions that you would never otherwise see, you know, because these are sports that are vying for Olympic recognition. And it's kind of, you know, like, as we say, it's the Olympics for the non-Olympic sports. I'll, I'll say right now. Okay, so it's um, usually, usually held every four years, one year after the Olympic Summer Games, over the course of 11 days, and has between 25 and 30 different sports. So we're talking, and so you picture 25 and 30 different sports, and then on how many different nations per sport multiply that by yeah. dozens and dozens. 
you have thousands and thousands of those just athletes, let alone like you're a TV crew, like the money involved. Um, they're signing TV deals and, and, uh, you know, sponsorship deals, like in like tons of money, tons of exposure. This is not like for anyone listening, like thinking, why Matt's like, this is an honor. This is not like, well, I've been to an IPF worlds. Nah, this is going to feel a little bit different. <laughs> it's going yeah, it to feel a little different. I mean, when, when they have a closing an opening and a closing ceremonies, yeah. where, you know, you're, you're carrying flags in and out of a stadium and they've got fireworks and, and lights displays and so forth. And you're dressed up in your, 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 your polo suits and so forth to represent the country. I mean, it's, it's just bigger than you. And so yeah. it's, you know, you're there, you're there for country, you're there for team. And uh, yeah. And, and, and of course you're there for self, you know, cause you're competing in powerlifting and individual sport it was just a phenomenal experience. And it's something that I'll just never forget. And of course, Mike Tushir won the gold medal, you know, and, and that kind of uh, ignited our relationship in terms of uh, coaching and game day handling. And I've, you know, since had the pleasure of coaching Mike on many other national teams and at other meets and so forth. And so, so that was, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the genesis, 2008, 2009. And so I guess in total on my resume, I have five head coaching appointments uh, for five different teams. All of those have been equipped. And then, uh, frankly, I've lost count, but I think that last count, I was over 35 different national teams when you count equipped, raw, men's, women's, you know, officially, you know, mm. going back and forth through the years, dating from 2003 till up till now. Uh, about 35 plus teams that I've been an assistant or been a game day coach for at least one lifter on those teams. And so I think that's kind of where I've gained a lot of my recognition is just being blessed and fortunate enough to be granted those opportunities. And like I said before, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants because if not for my wife, Susie, I mean, she helped me get my foot in the door. There's no question about it. So I always like to, to give praise and admiration and adulation to her and of course dr larry maley who is my mentor and if you know larry i mean you had larry on your podcast he's a very calculated man and a man of very few words and so you learn by by observing you know he's not going to come out and, and tell you and so but he's got a very keen eye he's very astute um has a very high level acumen in game day coaching and so i i i, I learned from him frankly and so that's uh yeah. And, and a lot of that was equipped. So I have a lot of experience, both equipped and raw. And, uh, and so it's, it's been a wonderful journey. And, and more recently uh, I've been the uh, coaching certification director. And up until the beginning of this year, I was the coaching education director. I've now stepped away from that position. That was intentional. I didn't get fired. I chose to do that. Um, I'm still on the faculty. I'm still teaching the courses, but I've officially stepped down as a coaching education director. So I'm still, still teaching the classes, but not the coaching education director. And um, yeah, and just love throwing my hand in the pile whenever possible now at these meets. So, you know, in, in more recent, I mean, the you know, world got turned upside down for the past year and a half. But prior to that, you know, now, now Arian's the coach. Um, my wife, Susie, was the national team head coach. And now, now it's Arian's job. And, and um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, Arian, Arian sees me because I come back into the warm-up room and, and want to help out my lifters. So, yeah, man. Um, it's, it's been a wonderful journey and, and I'm just, powerlifting has been very good to me and it's just really, really blessed me. So I'm just extraordinarily thankful. And let me also just say one thing too, is that all of these lifters that, that, that a lot of people look up to, I, I mean, it, I was telling this to Bryce the other day when I was on the phone with him and I told it to Taylor and I told it to Sam, I tell Ray, Dennis, all these wonderful people, man. It's just as good as they are as powerlifters, it pales in comparison 
to the fiber of their being and the quality of their character. These are high character individuals and, and the company you keep says a lot about you. And so I'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, the people that I choose to join forces with and, and link arms with and step into the arena and onto the platform and prepare for battle. Those are people that I genuinely love and really appreciate and care for. And they make me and Susie look really, really good because they execute at such a high level. You're talking about people who make a lot of attempts. So um, I, I just, a, a lot of praise is due to them for just being so good on the platform, frankly. Yeah, amen. I mean, when you look at the people that you got, there it's pretty high quality. Uh, it's it's funny, you know. Some people say like, you know, he wrote he wrote the book on fill in the blank, or she wrote the book on saying how much they know about something. You literally wrote the book on handling and we're teaching it. <laughs> well, I'm you, you literally were teaching that. game day coaching and handling. I, I appreciate you saying that, and I still I feel I still feel like I'm you know it's it's that constant quest. I know it's cliche for mastery and I can, you know, and, and I learn stuff from these other game day coaches too. And sometimes you learn what not to do, you know, yeah. or, or, or what have you, but, but I keep an eye on these other coaches and the ones that are up and coming. And I like studying this stuff. I'm very analytical like that. And um, so I just, I just appreciate watching other people do their craft as well, because, you know, we're, we're in a business where I might be able to kind of cherry pick an idea that they have and kind of put it into my recipe to make my recipe a little bit sweeter. There, there's no such thing as, I mean, it is 100% true. Once you think you're, you got it all and you're good and you could stop advancing, stop progressing, stop keeping eyes on the game. Yep. You're about to lose your spot. Right. <laughs> oh, you're, you're about to start falling back. Someone's yeah. going to start beating you on the game day. And you're like, oh, frig, I, I kind of got show. I got undressed out there. What the hell happened? And uh, these things happen to you. That's, that's a hockey term, by the way. If, if someone zigs and you zag yeah. and they totally leave you and they breeze by you with the puck, they're like, damn, you just undressed them out there. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know if that translates. So I, I felt the need well, to explain. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you <laughs> Americans aren't as big at hockey. So you're like, that, we don't use yeah. that term. It's like, it's like getting your ankles broken on the basketball court. You, know, right. you, get, shook, you get shook. Right. That's what it is. Right. So if you, and, and, and it happens every now, it's not the worst thing to a 25 year vet every now and then will get checked and be like, damn, I got that session. I got, I got a little undressed out there and be like, that's not going to happen tomorrow. It's just like, like Jordan says, um, this one team had beaten Jordan and, um, the guy went to the press that was on Jordan, went to the press and was like, no, not the guy who was on Jordan. Another guy went to the press and afterwards and they were asking him about it. And he's like, that's right. That's what's up. And he was like, now, you know, a bit of a change into the guards happening. And he was talking big. And then the guy who was actually guarding Jordan afterwards pulled that guy aside. and was like, <laughs> bro, don't wake up the sleeping giant. Let him sleep. Like he's going to murder me tomorrow. And Jordan yeah. posted up PR numbers, record numbers. And it's like, sometimes look at a chin check every now and then getting checked. Everyone, it happens no matter what, even to the greats. But like you said, sometimes you learn, you're like, all right, wake up call check. I got you. I'm downloading it and I'm adding it to, to what I've got. You know, that's, it's the, it's all the humbling experience, but um, yeah, man, in terms of uh, we could start getting into stories in a bit, but um, how, how, have you, how was the, cause you recently moved. Did you move during the COVID times? So we moved across the country and this was all on purpose. So if we, if we back up to, I guess it's the Arnold 
in uh, what's this? Uh, tour in twenty one. If we back up to the Arnold in twenty, right? That's kind of when all the COVID stuff was getting crazy. So, long story short, my wife and I own a owned a facility in Rockville, Maryland, called SSPT, which is short for Supreme Sports Performance and Training. And so that's where SSPT comes from. And our lease was expiring in March thirty first of twenty twenty. And our plan all along was to transition out west to Bozeman, Montana, to move across the country and to open a bigger, better SSPT 2.0 out here. So if you look back just a little further in 2016, my wife and I purchased a 5,000 square foot warehouse here in Bozeman, Montana. And again, our original plan was to open up a bigger, better SSPT. So our timeline was we were going to go to the Arnold, come back from Sheffield, and, and literally like wrap up the gym and get out of Dodge. But of course, you know, the world unravels, COVID hits, they cancel Sheffield. So what we did was we wound up extending our lease for one more month to the end of April. And frankly, from that perspective, COVID was a blessing to us because it created this ultra high demand for equipment. Lifters were going underground, they were going into their garages, they were going into their home gyms, et cetera. And so there was this thirst and desire for equipment and manufacturers were selling out so fast. So we had a facility full of high quality equipment that we wanted to get rid of because we didn't want to have to transport that across the country. Not only is that extraordinarily expensive, but yeah. it's, really, it's really labor intensive to move that amount of stuff about 2,200 miles across the country. So plus we didn't want to try to fit that life into the new one. We want to create a new environment out here. So we were able to sell everything uh, Susie and I kept one ER rack, um, about two bars and about 500 kilos and went into our basement. And so when COVID hit and we sold off all of our equipment, which was great. And we didn't try to run people ragged with prices. I don't want to put that kind of bad karma into the world. You know, I heard of a lot of people charging extraordinarily high prices and we weren't like that. We, we charged what we thought were fair prices, um, you know, um, and, and it had a lot of, and, and I think as much as we were blessed by people coming and get, getting the equipment from us, we were able to in turn bless a lot of other people who, who, who now are training full-time in their garages or at home and so forth. And so um, we closed up SSPT, we went underground and our, our timeline to move out here just got pushed back a little further, that's all. So now we're here in Bozeman, Montana. Um, the little uh, bit of equipment that we did have is in storage. We're training at another facility. We have since decided not to open a larger that warehouse we are using that as an investment property which is really exciting because now somebody else is paying our mortgage for us and so it's it's smart real estate is always a good investment i think yeah. and so we, we're keeping that warehouse as a, as an investment property we're currently leasing that out and what's more exciting to me susie and i are now building a home with a detached garage which is going to function as our private gym uh you know training studio so it's going to be about a 900 square foot um, um, facility and it's going to be um, we're tricking it out with some of the best equipment and we're really excited because I'm actually trying to pull the trigger on the equipment this week and we should be uh, up and running by October of course that's what the builders say but if you know anything about the construction business you know I'm in the business of under promising and over delivering that's what I like to do under promise over deliver but people in the construction business they write checks that their ass can't cash <laughs> uh, you know unfortunately unfortunately they sell you a bill of goods and say oh yeah we're gonna be ready by october so susie and i fingers crossed we're hoping that we're in our home by the end of the year 
and uh, we're just over the moon ecstatic to be out here, man. Um, fewer people, more of the right kind of people, less politics, less COVID craziness, and um, just beautiful landscapes. And as I was telling you in the warm up to this, man, every day is a good day. Uh, yeah. We are just, we are extraordinarily blessed to be here. Got a smile on my face 24 <laughs> seven. Couldn't, couldn't be, couldn't be any happier. And uh, so, yeah, so just excited now, you know, next week to head on down to Daytona and to get it on, you know, because as much as these lifters want to, want to lift and compete, you know, I consider it a competition personally as well. I'm competing too. I take this stuff very seriously and um I'm just as much ready to rumble as they are. So let's, let's get it on. Do you feel like, um, well, first off, when the world's gets canceled, that was tough because we for, like, actually let's back it up a second here. You were talking about Sheffield. I remember, so I was going to be the commentator for Sheffield and it was like the week before I was on the phone with you and you were like, man, this looks kind of crazy. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was that guy, Arian, you'll appreciate this. I was like, <laughs> Matt Lex, this is, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, my tickets, literally my tickets were already purchased. Everything's going to be fine. Everyone's yeah. getting a little worked up. And Matt's like, Matt's like, get, uh, Matt's, look at, Matt's like, all right. It never in my life have I seen a shutdown globally. So probably right. Right. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, come on, Matt. Have we, you know, we're a little older. Have we ever seen something like this? The young kids are all popping off, but come on. And we're, we and Matt were like, okay, yeah, it'll be okay. And I swear to God, like a day later, Matt, like we we're like, well, that's it, man. That's that. <laughs> Arian, were you going to handle some? What, did you Matt. have someone there? No, okay. But, uh, but worlds, we, so anyways, we missed out on that, which was freaking crazy. Powerlifting in general did. And then, yeah, we missed worlds, obviously. And um, that would have been, Arian, that would have been one of your, how does that work, Arian? Do you now, do you just lose a year or do you get bumped another year to be able to coach uh, a national team? Or how does that work for yourself? No, they added a year. It's, it's normally a three-year term. And for all the other elected positions as well, they, they offered if you want to extend basically your term a year. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so anyways, powerlifting, they'll still lost the worlds, lost the nationals uh, for US nationals, lost the European championship. We lost a lot. Swing it back around. This is the first big one, fellas. Okay, we have we don't we haven't had a European championship yet, and there's a lot of European stars now. We haven't had a world yet, and I don't know if we're those are international meets, so those are tougher to put together given travel restrictions. But there's hope. But here is the U.S. Raw Nationals, and everybody's ready to rumble because we haven't had a big yet, a big competition yet in a couple of years. And um, for both you guys now, you're both established handlers and game day coaches. And people know when you show up on game day, like some, anyone who thinks game day handling, well, it's overrated. It's probably because you never made it far enough to be to a big meet. You go to a local meet. You just want to go nine for nine. Here's, here's, you know what you would need to do. You know what your game plan is? Go nine for nine, have fun, hit PRs. Don't worry about it. But when you show up at nationals, um, it's a whole, or worlds or Europeans or whatever, it's a whole nother level of pressure. You need to do scouting. You need to know all the different calls and all the, it's, it's a whole nother level. Right. Um, and you guys being the veterans you are, I remember like, uh, Matt, we, we went through your resume. I remember when I met Arian first time in real life. Well, no. Okay. We won't talk about Belarus, <laughs> but in Calgary, I remember talking to the Canadian team and the Canadian team's like, fuck. 
they're in the warm-up room like what's up and they're like arian's uh, handling it on the other side and i was like what does that mean they're like he's a wizard and i swear to god they were i've never in my life had heard of a game day coach be referred to as a wizard and the term they used was a wizard and i'm like this is fucking intriguing to me um so, and I mean, I'd already been in, like, I, I knew about game day coaching on, on the levels to it, but you start hearing about different game day coaches. And um, so now that we're back to big competition and we've had a couple years now where you see some funny stuff happen. People are doing records at local competitions. So they're not putting chips on them and they're some weird handling is happening because they're not big handling. They're not big meets. we got a big meet now and we got some big game day coaches are back and you guys are both that. Do you guys now feel like hell yeah? I get off away from away from the keyboard and the laptop. I'm not just programming. I'm not now. Now we're gonna roll, put on the game day coaching, and now we're gonna rumble. And it's like it's like a football coach, you know, hitting hitting the field again. And you haven't played in a couple of years in any meaningful games. And you're like, here's the Super Bowl again. You guys feel that? Are you guys like a little bit nervous, a little bit excited? Where how do you both of you guys? I want to hear how both of you guys feel because Arian, you're 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 knee deep in it now. How do you guys feel about it? Go ahead, Arian. I'll let you start. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's been like almost a year. I mean, there's been little meets here and there, and we had like our you know high school nationals that had a couple of that, but it's been a year of like yeah, just like you know training and like oh you hit a rep PR in the gym or maybe you did like a test day, you hit like a single PR in the gym but it wasn't in the competition. It wasn't against anyone. And so it's, it's not quite the same. It doesn't go in, you know, in the database. And then you have like, you know, a new PR set there and build it from there. And so now, like you said, this is the big one. This is where all the top raw open lifters are coming. The top raw masters equipped all bench press, all of them are coming and they're trying to go for that national title again, try to go to world championship, the North American championship. And it is now it's, yeah, it's exciting for us because now we can go and we can show like what we've done as a coach, programming for athlete our athlete has stuck to the training has followed through and prepared for the single day not what they've done in the gym leading up and what they post on instagram leading up or but they're ready for this day and they're going to execute on this day and so now it's like you get to show it off um, for the lifter not only just um the numbers that they can hit but if they are going for replacing getting another national title you know like we've discussed like taylor atwood trying to go for the most national titles for that raw men's side same with ray and so it, it's just like a lot in this competition, because like you said, there hasn't been the national championship, the world championship, North American, Sheffield, Europeans, all these have been missing. And even like, a, like, yeah, for sure. Like the PRs are different in the gym on the platform, but you yourself now are, are going to be handling game day in your game day coaching in a, in a, not a local level or, or, you know, like this is like the open U S nationals. This is, this is what, you know, besides the worlds, this is the big show, right? And in arguably, you know, with Europeans, how, how do you feel? Be like, all right, I'm grabbing the clipboard. I'm going to be, you know, every, every, every good, every handler worth his salt, his guys prepped. Um, and I know I don't got to tell Matt, the guy preps three hours before a podcast. Okay. So for us nationals, he's, he's coming prepared, my man. Um, are you guys, what do you like? Are you literally excited? Like, I, cause I know leading up to a competition as a competitor is one thing I've handled, but no, not at the level of a U.S. Nats type deal. How do you guys feel knowing like, Oh shit, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to be back there. I'm going to feel that. Like it, it feels when you don't have control in the sense of you're not lifting the weight, 
but you have control in the sense of a lot of it's going to fall on you. Um, you know, from the lifters, from the people watching, from the calls you make, when I'm commentating at the world's, if I see a handler, I have to call what I see. I don't try to throw people under the bus, but there are times when I'll say that might not have been the great best call, or that's interesting. They had this in placeholder. They did as a placeholder deadlift or, and then they did this. I'm not sure why you would have done that. That's wow. They, they went on a chip, but that chip just equaled up being two and a half anyways. And you should have went up, you know, like there's calls that you, you know, you're, you're part of it now, um, but you're not lifting. So it's tough. The anxiety, the excitement, watching it unfold. And then you have to pay attention to the scoreboard, not just who's behind you, but who's chasing them, what they might do. Are they going to defend bronze or sorry, are they going to defend silver from the bronze medals or are they going to go after your gold? And you're trying to make these calls and everything. And it becomes, and we know this fellas, certain events become part of powerlifting history. And from here on out, we use them as footnotes. Do you remember when? One decision. You guys were there. When, when, when Sam um, pulled for the record instead of the gold. And then it becomes that tough decision. That you hope you're never in ever again. And it's like, that's a footnote in history now. And it's like, well, five, you got 60. You don't see 60 seconds. You got 60 seconds to make this decision. And you don't know for the rest of time. That's a footnote. You know, these, these are footnotes. Do you want the gold? Do you want, for anyone, we've been in a million of these situations, right? Not a million, but it's, are you guys ready for this? Like, how do you feel walking in there and be like, holy fuck, here we go. I, I relish these opportunities yeah. um, because, because I know that the reality is, is that everything in life has an expiration date. And so when you, when you just, when you contemplate the gravity of what I just said, that statement, everything has an expiration date. The, 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 there are not an infinite amount of these opportunities. And the fact that we haven't had that many recently because the world's been in disarray um, to me makes it even a little bit more exciting and more intense because this is our first uh, taste, if you will, of stepping back into a big arena, a, a, a meaningful arena with a lot of stuff on the line. I know, I know that Arian's been coaching at local meets uh, during this time. And I've been doing the same, you know, back in Maryland before we came and I'll be coaching here at a meet in Montana as soon as I get back from nationals. So I'm looking forward to that. But in terms of quote unquote, big, big game experience, you know, it's, it's like you, like you said, it's been a minute. And so I relish these opportunities. I don't take them for granted. Uh, super excited to be in, in relationship with the people that I'm involved with and cherish that as well. The, just the camaraderie of it all. And I think um, if I might add, and then I'll kind of get into a little bit more detail, I think that that part of it might be lost on the, on the younger generation a little bit. I think that the younger competitors today, they may not be solely competing for individual progress nor the camaraderie of the community. Um, many of them, frankly, compete for clout or for social media pain or fame, I, I should say, social media fame. And I think that when you really consider if, those, if that's what you're competing for, if you're competing for clout and social media fame, that's sad and myopic at the same time because those things are really feelings and feelings are fleeting and they're mm. transient. But when you're competing for progress, when you're competing for technical mastery, and when you're competing also because of the relationships and the camaraderie that you have with others, those things are meaning and meaningful and those can become timeless. 
And so I think just you do yourself a favor and, and understand what sort of, uh, what are your reasons? What is your why? I like to ask people that, what is your why? And so anyway, so, but getting back into, I, I, sorry, that was a little tangent there, but getting back into competing and, and Arian and I, in effect, we're competing as well. You know, just as Arian said, I, look, I think it's the, the coach's primary role to put his or her athlete in the best position to succeed. That's our job is to put them in the best position to succeed. And then it is incumbent upon them to go out and execute and do the work. And so if we can alleviate that anxiety, alleviate that stress, be the objective voice of reason when it matters in those critical game-changing crucial moments where the calls need to be made, then we've done our part and then they just need to go out and execute. So I, I, I love it. And, and my adrenaline gets pumping. I told Susie the other day, I said, I can sit here and when I'm scouting out these other lifters and going through these scouting reports and I'm watching videos and I'm thinking about the calls that I'm going to have to make, I start to get those butterflies in my stomach and I'm just sitting here, you know what I'm saying? Chilling in my apartment, looking at this stuff. We haven't even touched down in Daytona yet. And so <laughs> it's meaningful. It means something. It's causing a physical change in my being and in my state, in my physical state. And I start to feel that. And so, um, hell yeah, man, I, I've been doing this. Probably, I mean, th th there's a handful of coaches out there, Larry Maley and a couple others who have been doing this longer than I have. So I'm certainly not trying to steal their thunder, but I've been doing this for the most part, as long as most. And, um, and uh, but I still get those jitters. I still get those butterflies and it means you're alive, damn it. I mean, it means you're a part of it and it means something and I get excited and I wanna be in the thick of it. Uh, you know, put me in the damn arena with the battles that make that, that where there's going to be national titles on the line or at worlds where medals are, are, are being fought for and records are changing hands and all those sort of things. I, I want to be in the middle of the relevant battles. I mean, that's where the action's at, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure that uh, these other, I'm, I'm sure Arian feels the same way, you know, that he wants to be right in the middle of it too. Um, it's not to say that you don't uh, derive extreme joy and pleasure from a lifter who's competing at nationals and maybe it's their first nationals and they have no chance of placing and they're just there to hit PBs and gain experience. And you, you have that emotional high when they make lifts and when they hit a PB, because it's about them doing something that they've never done before, you know? So it's a different kind of feeling, but it's, it's, I just, it's, it's my passion, man. Game day coaching is what gets my motor running. And it's what I'm, I feel like that's my strength and I try to stay in my own lane. There's other coaches who are better at programming. I, I, I have a long list of coaches I could put way before me in terms of programming and stuff, but I, I feel like game day coaching is my strength and, and that's where I want to be. So I'm, I'm over the moon excited. Uh, I want to get Arian's uh, feet on that. I, I just want to say a, a couple of things before I toss to Arian. Um, Cause you mentioned a couple of things there. A, uh, I love how, like, it's true where, you know, you could do handling at a local level. It is what it is. It's a whole different ball game when you're at a national or world level um, or European, like international level, where you have like one through five to one through like even deeper sometimes one missed, one missed lift, one bad call changes everything. And you just, that person's not on the podium or that, per, or that person just lost the winner. It's so tight that it's not just work up to your top max. Now there's other factors you got to be careful of. 
you know, and sometimes you actually solidify the win with smaller than your biggest pull or, or whatever. It's not going to work out exactly that simple. And um, knowing when you're walking into an event as big as these, yes, these battles get known from here on out. Both you guys have been in worlds in battles that have been now cited later on. Be like, holy smokes, you see that? When that happens, you see it just happens. And good and bad. Good. That's sports, baby. The, the best coaches, you know, when you want to go through the NBA, whether it's Phil Jackson or whoever, the best coaches in every sport have certain championships where it didn't work out. People are like, I'm going to question these calls. Or championships where you back to back to back to back. You're part of a dynasty and they're like, you better go to that guy for the coaching. Like, that's what it is. And uh, not to freak you guys out, I know you guys are already aware of it, but when you step on those platforms, sometimes you're like knowing this could be part of powerlifting history. You know, for the next 10 years, they could be talking about this day, whatever's going to happen. And uh, I got 60 seconds to make some of these calls. It matters. If you are, if you're not a little nervous or feel a little something, something, you don't understand the gravity, the gravity of the situation, like the impact your call's going to have on a lifter, you know, that may never get that far again, or, um, you know, or, or, or the, the footnote in history it's going to be. And to the point of, you said, when you show up, when you touch down in Daytona, I love when you say that, because I tell people, it doesn't matter how many sessions I do. Um, when I touch down in a different country and I'm about to do the IPF worlds, it's, uh, like I wake up in every morning, fuck. And they're like, all right, headphones on and we're going live three, two, and they motion one and don't say it in every fucking time the butterflies come. And I can't tell you how many sessions I've done now because the, it's like three weeks live on the air out like hours from, you know, M4s right down to the open. I can't tell you how many sessions now. It doesn't matter. It's like that. It's like you, it's, and that's when you know you care and you won't stop. The feeling doesn't leave you. It's like when you met the love of your life and it doesn't matter if it's been 25 years with the love of your life, you wake up and still have the butterflies in your stomach. If I can get romanticized for a second here. Okay. <laughs> that's what it's like. 25 years deep, I still got those butterflies, baby. That's fucking true love. Um, so I, I know what you mean, uh, Matt, and you, you send me some emails sometimes are like powerful stuff. Uh, you send me some emails, you found like an article or some well-written and you're like, read this. And, and I, me and Ray, I think Ray was on that. And I was like, Jesus, I'm yep. not very often. Am I with Ray Williams in an email chain, but <laughs> Matt Gary puts me in there with them. And, um, it, it spoke to something to the point of being mindful what you're chasing. You know, be mindful you put your time in because that's what you, if you put your time in that and you're focusing that you're putting all of your worth in that. So if you put focus too much on the likes, the shares, the, whatever you're putting all your worth in that. So it's just as easily taken away. So be mindful how much you put on that. That's fine. But remember it, it will, everything's going to come to an end. Everything passes. And if everything banks on that, you're going to be in serious trouble or if you're more like, I'm riding this wave and I'm loving every minute of it. And I don't know how long I'm going to be doing it, but I'm making friends. I'm making moments. And uh, 10 years later, I hope I could talk to Arian or Matt and be like, damn, was that wild? What was going on in 2020? What was going on in Calgary and in uh, Belarus? And Arian had his shirt off and wrapped around his head like <laughs> a party animal. Like he's Jim Belushi from... <laughs> 
from Animal House. What happened there? I think he was Jim Belushi for a minute. And Arian's like, that was fucking wild. That was pretty wild. <laughs> um, some videos will never die. Yeah. But Arian, do you, do you feel that too? Where you're like, you know, about to step back in there? It's a butterflies, or do you not feel it yet until you arrive at the venue? Because when it's been a minute before it happens, like it's been two years or whatever, it like it intensifies or does it? I don't know. You tell me. I mean, so far it hasn't intensified. Well, we have a week to go until yeah. the, the raw open. So we'll see. Um, but we, I was kind of going to expand on that. Exactly what you said, Ryan, is similar to what Lane Norton has said as well when he competes is that some people are scared of like having the jitters or being a little bit stressed out. And it's like, no, that means you actually care. And what it means also is you're going to prepare for it. Same thing happens with lifters, referees, coaches, everyone involved. Like you said, even you announcing, we've had people come take like the referee exam and they're like, oh, this is going to be easy. They, they, I didn't really have to prepare for it. I know how to power lift and boom, they fail. Then you have people that are like, I studied, you know, every week for the last four weeks, I made flashcards They're so stressed out. Aaron, is this going to be difficult, blah, blah, blah. And boom, they pass, no problem. So the... Being a little bit stressed out means you're, you're preparing. Matt's preparing, I'm preparing, looking at the competitors, scouting out what they've done in past meets, what they've done currently in training, what kind of numbers can we hit, where can we fall in the placing, reviewing the rule book just to know of all those, you know, those changes when it comes to third attempts and everything like that to be ready to go. So I think it's right now for me, normal st stress levels. We'll see in the coming days if it changes being that like we haven't done the nationals in a long time. The other thing I just want to expand on too that Matt said is, I didn't have this discussion with the same exact words, but it's pretty much the same thing as Matt was saying as far as what's your why. So I had a phone call, two phone calls with Sarah Brenner um, in, the, in the few weeks ago leading up about whether she wanted to do it or not. She had already signed up. And what I thought her why would be or what I my why was for her for her to come compete was not the same as hers. She had more reasons why to not compete, why she should stay back for work and family and everything else going on rather than come to this competition and hit some numbers that I had in mind for her, some numbers that maybe she didn't care about. And so for, with on that, and uh, for that case, we decided, okay, no need to come. Well, why come and do it? If there's, you don't want to do it, you have all this other stuff going on in life. It's not as important to you right now. You don't know what's going on with the future meets and everything like that. So for her, she found out it wasn't worth coming to compete for those that are coming to compete. They should figure it out, especially now be before you're putting in that third attempt, because when at that in those 60 seconds, you may change your mind and you may go for some big number and you know YOLO for this and that. It's like figure out your why coming in, what are your goals, what's your primary goal, what is realistic, and build your plan around that. I liked when you said um, you know, stress is good because it's actually gonna bring out the best of you. It's going to make you prepared. And sometimes here's a here's a story about a guy. I, I was kicking around. Um, I was going to do like, I, I did motivational speeches for a little while. And I was like, I think I got this and I don't need to go over this too much. I had a roommate at the time and his last name was Splifiki. And this is why this is important. This guy was like high up in corporate and um, did so many corporate level speeches and stuff. He had a wedding speech to do. And he's like, come on, it's a fucking wedding speech. I'm not, I'm not, I'm good. I'm just going to roll up there, say a few jokes, shake some hands. Everyone, I'll kill it. We, we move on. Let's party. So he gets up there. And um, he, in his speech, his last name is Flifiki, and he's talking to the to-be bride. And he wants to say, because she would make fun of his last name. It's so hard to say. It's so hard to pronounce. So what he wanted to do on the fly joke was um, ju 
you know, you, you know, you always wanted my last name. Imagine you had my last name and you had to try to say that for the rest of your life. The joke being because the inside joke was it's hard to say my last name. She makes fun of it at work. What it comes off as you're about to be married. Don't you wish you had my last name and married me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dead silence. So people like yeah. come again. And then the worst thing you ever do if you're bombing on a joke in front of a room full of people is try to explain it, move on and just keep it moving. And they don't, they, they're not. And he's like, no, because so he's like at work, it's an inside show. At work, it's like, he, he got off the mic and his wife who looks up to him and thinks that he's like an amazing public speaker was like, what the hell was that? She was like, Oh my God, I'm embarrassed to be sitting with you at the table. People seeing the table you sat down with. She's like, oh my, he's so anyways, long story short, he says to me, write it out, practice it, be ready. He's like, if you're not stressed, you're setting yourself up. If you are stressed, you're good. He's like, don't trust the not being stressed. Don't trust it. Um, I was actually this in a podcast with an MMA fighter. And he's like, it's, a guy asked him, those are two times you weren't that worried about the fight. And he's like, twice. I got knocked out both times. He's like, don't trust it. So anyway, so anyone listening, I've, I've read in the, I actually reshared uh, Russell Taylor and Jonathan Keiko were in the comments um, saying like, Holy smokes, I'm snapping on people. I'm feeling a bit of the stress. This is tough. And they, one of them, I don't know if they commented on a, something I reposted or something. Anyways, I was getting tagged in. So I was, I was reposting the stories. And they were all just reposting. And then I got a, a few DMs and people like, hell yeah. You know, I'm glad to see this. Like, yes, stress, but it's good. It's okay. It means you means your actually body's getting keyed up. It's like a wave being your body. I think evolutionarily, we are like on point now. You're ready. It'll force you to get on point. This is how we get on point is feeling that stress. Without it, you have no, you haven't, you know, your body, the reason why you can't sleep because you want to stay awake. You could do more. What else can I do? What, uh, what, what have I not uncovered? What stone have I not overturned? Right. So what, just trust your gut. It's okay. It's all part of the process, but um, we do got some battles coming up, gentlemen. And um, Matt, you got quite the killer roster, my friend. You, you I, I mean, blessed is, let me, let me, let me rattle this just in the open. Let me just see the open roster right here. Because in terms of battles, I mean, uh, yeah. So this is why you might be losing some sleep, my man. <laughs> you got, you were in the middle of um, Taylor Atwood. You're handling. Have you guys heard of him? He's pretty good. <laughs> good. He's quite good. Taylor Atwood, the IPF World Champion, 2019 best lifter at the World Championships, um, returning champion Sam Calhoun, multiple time champion Sam Calhoun, Bryce Lewis, IPF World Champion. Um, obviously USAPL national champion, IPF silver medalist, Dennis Cornelius, the greatest 120 kilo lifter we've ever seen. Ray Williams, the greatest super heavyweight we've ever seen. Um, and then you have a slew of masters. So you're literally handling the greats in some of the, Ray is, is in an insane battle. We'll get into it in a second, but insane battle with Jesus as well as Derek. Um, Dennis Cornelius, he's got some tough customers as well. Um, uh, Sam Calhoun looks 63 kilo. She's got legends to battle. The same names that she's seen several times over. But uh, 
And Taylor Atwood is smack dab in the middle of an absolute, you know, Donnie Brook. You know, it's it's uh, it's an absolute war zone, seventy four kilo class. With um, I know you got the Donnie Brook comment there, Matt Gary. It's a little bit old. <laughs> Arians probably like, what the fuck does Donnie Brook mean? It's a uh, <laughs> it's anyways. It's uh yeah, he's got you know obviously Michael C. He's got uh, everyone from Cho right up to Perkins, who's who's nipping at his heels and and literally just a couple kilo behind at this point. Um, there's no breathing room. There's no breathing room, and you're in the middle of a dogfight every single time. Um, let's talk about it a little bit. Which one should we talk about first? Which one do you want to talk about first between any these people? Because you have you got your work cut out for you. I, why don't we just go in order of how they're going to occur, just yeah. just in in terms of the schedule? So I think I think in terms of the open competitors uh taylor atwood would be first because he's going to be thursday morning june it, 17th in that first let's, session and let's also talk about the sessions over. so yeah. you must the sessions are split up here right yeah yep. okay that's right. On, oh that's good on the 17th you don't have to worry about multiple t okay so let's talk about taylor and, and arian you hop in here with your comments and, and whatnot uh as you see fit kind sir but how are you feeling about the king is returning he's awoken from his slumber but damned if these juniors who two years ago um, we were hyping the 74 kilo class and they were juniors. And um, two years ago, Taylor was too much for them. Two years later, now Austin Perkins just crossed the 800 kilo barrier at 22, which is insane. He is the genuine article. Could not say enough about this young man's potential. Um, you know, he's got it all. He's the full package, the looks, the charisma, the talent, and he's 22. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's quite something. And then you got Michael C whom last we had seen him in uh, the world was a world champion in the juniors mm -hmm. since then had a couple rough goes, steadied the pace a little, steadied the pace a little. And now um, he's walking before he was walking into 2020 saying, I'm going to cross the 800 kilo barrier. I'll be the first to do it. Now I, I repost him and, and he reposts the I am with Michael. And uh, his comment was, I'm lifting for me. I'm going to do the best I can. And you know what? I'm telling maybe like the pressure for a guy that young, maybe there's a little, like he was a world champion and he was, and everyone was saying, I was saying, look, he could, he could be the first across 800 kilo. Um, maybe this approach will be, will suit him better. And maybe him saying, yeah, throw, throw the heat on Taylor, throw the heat on Perkins maybe this is the ultimate setup for Michael C to have the day of his life. And, and the guy, again, all class, all these guys I just named. Um, and then you have a supporting cast just under these fellas, like, like the villain, Ricky Cho, and like, um, you know, Eric Lapointe, who's got like just a phenomenal deadlift and capable of who knows in terms of snagging a bronze here and there. If someone drops the ball really bad. Who knows how far deep he can go. There's, there's a supporting cast. It's just dynamite. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Matt, walking into this? So, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit all the highlights. Um, I'm ex extremely excited about this session. Uh, as you said, the, the, the cast of characters that Taylor's going up against is, uh, is highly touted, and rightfully so. And so just continuing to heap praise upon them, you know, particularly. So you've got, you, you've got kind of Ricky Cho and LaPointe, as you said, who are a little bit off in the periphery just because they're lacking in the other two lifts, but they're just extraordinarily deadlift talents, you know, who can strike and kind of move up in the rankings, you know, as, as, as deadlifts roll around. So I, I would suspect that kind of their plan, you know, should be, Hey, let me go six for six and then start 
shifting some serious weight on these deadlifts and see if I can make some moves uh, with, with, with the hopes that, uh, I mean, you never want to see your competitors fail, always using the analogy that I just want to lift more or that mm. you just want to lift more. But, you know, look, if, if Ricky or, and or Eric could benefit from some misses from some of the, you know, quote unquote, top three, if you will, they, they're going to be within striking distance, particularly with deadlifts, or at least close the gap, if you will. And then, of course, you know, as you said, Michael, you know, was, was, was touted at one point to be the first guy to cross 800. Uh, I was at the Arnold um, in, I guess it was 2020, right? He bombed mm-hmm. in, the, in the bench. And he had me watch his last bench press warm up, and he absolutely destroyed it. I mean, to competition standard, kept the butt down, feet were in check, head was on the bench, perfect pause and destroyed it and i don't know what happened uh when he went out and missed his opener three times i mean i would have bet the farm that you know his his opener would have been a good lift and that he would have continued in the competition and so you know he's clearly been one of those lifters whose uh talent is through the roof but yet to kind of prove it you know when it matters on game day so i think his strategy and approach is probably a wise one you know maybe he's taken a little bit of the pressure a little bit of the anxiety and the stress off of himself and maybe just kind of saying, look, I'm lifting for me. And, uh, you know, he did put together, as you said, I think it was a 775 at a local meet or something yeah. and, 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 and showed himself quite well. I mean, and, and look, if he makes a couple more lifts and you have to assume that he's gotten stronger and I think his training has shown that, you know, that, um, that he can definitely be in the mix. So, I mean, you know, as Taylor's uh, coach, uh, we're not taking him lightly at all. Um, but, but to your point, I think he's probably making a wise move in, in terms of, you know, not necessarily setting himself up for, for failure. He's setting himself up for success and just wants to go out there and have fun and let the chips fall where they fall. And look, I mean, Lord knows if, if he does come and executes well, then he could have an exceptional total and he could be right in there in the mix for, for one of the top spots. And, and again, Austin Perkins, I mean, you can't say enough about that guy. It's crazy. Yeah, you got to be an Austin Perkins fan, right? Because he does it in both genres. I mean, which I respect a lot. You know, he does it equipped and he does it raw and he's, and he's exceptional at both of these. And so it's exciting to see a guy who's that young with that much pizzazz. You know, like you said, he's got that, he's got that little cachet, if you will, that little attitude. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It, it works for him. He makes it work. And um, uh, yeah, he's strong. He put together that 800 kilo total. Um, the only thing I would say about that 800 kilo total, if, if we're comparing and we're trying to compare apples to apples, which is hard to do, you know, his third lifts at that meet looked more difficult than Taylor's did at the Florida meet. And I think Arian, you were probably there for that meet. So you can speak to that, but, you know, so, you know, ostensibly uh, Austin's third lifts, you know, the 300 kilo squat was pretty much a limit lift. Uh, and, and I, I know that he missed, I guess, I guess he missed his opener in the bench and went up anyway and got three benches. So he's always going to lose significant ground to Taylor on the bench, but his deadlifts right there. But again, that was kind of a limit lift for him. I know that he kind of passed out and fell over, um, you know, which has been shown on Instagram quite a few times. And so I think, <laughs> you know, but, but look there, you talk about it on these other podcasts and you've done your due diligence their rate of adaptation because they're younger, because they're less experienced, because they have less mileage on the tires, whatever analogy you want to use is much greater. So their ceiling is potentially higher. They have greater, you know, room for improvement than say Taylor, who's been doing this a little while. Um, And then of course we get down to Taylor and, you know, Taylor, 
I, I was on a call with, with Taylor and uh, his, his coach, Jason Tremblay the other day, and we were installing his game plan and Taylor Atwood is healthy. Taylor Atwood is strong and he's excited about competing. And when you add those things together, he had a wonderful prep. He hit some, some very nice numbers. Uh, he's, he's ready to, to uh, meet the challenge and, and, and silence the critics. And it's my job to put him in the best position to do so. And I have supreme confidence in Taylor Atwood. Um, I have said it before, and I think I've said it on your other podcasts. And I know that you, you all have had these fun and intriguing conversations. And like you said, I mean, look, this is, this is powerlifting sports talk, right? That's what you're doing. This is sports talk. So it's fun to have those conversations. Um, I, don't, I told Taylor this the other night in our call. I said, I don't put a vested interest in these formulas, you know, whether it be dots or uh, good lift points or IPF score or Wilkes or gloss burner, whatever formula you want to use, right? None of that stuff means anything to me. It means a little bit to, I mean, it, it means something to me in that it means something to you, but I don't care about that. And that if, if you total a total that puts you in otherworldly in another galaxy, so to speak, where you, you cross the bar or, or you cross into the threshold of you, you are now the best regardless of formula, right? That's pretty cool. And if I were Taylor Atwood, that would mean something to me. I'd, I'd like to say, yeah, hell yeah. Like, man, regardless of what formula you cook up, I'm, I'm the best, okay? But the reality is for me, for Matt Gary and for my wife, Susie Hartwood Gary, because we're going to be working with Taylor, um, that's not the reason to us why Taylor is the best. The reason why Taylor Atwood is the best is his consistency, his preparation, his attention to details, his laser-like precision in execution, and the belief in himself. And he does it time and time again, consistently. And we have just otherworldly supreme confidence in his abilities. And I've seen what he's capable of doing. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people if, if that's even possible. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're confident in Taylor and I, I can't wait. And, and transparently, you know, just to, to, to harken back to that conversation that we had just a couple minutes ago about Arian and I getting excited and it, it meaning something to us and our adrenaline, you know, kind of cooking, so to speak. Uh, the only way that a game day coach gets better at calling attempts and knowing what a lifter has left in the tank, right, is to watch thousands and thousands of attempts. That's how you get better, is actually doing the thing that you do. And that's watching lifters strain, watching lifters hit second attempts, and then being a close prognosticator of what they have left on their third, right? And so that's not my fear. My fear is not picking the wrong number. When I go to sleep at night, what keeps me awake or what wakes me in the middle of the night, the nightmare that I have where I wake up in cold sweats is me doing the math wrong at the end of the day, okay? Because, and, and, and that's why I've got a calculator in hand and I'm triple checking that stuff. And I know Arian does the same. And I know that at least the US national team coaches in practice, we've always checked each other's work, right? And that's what you want. You want somebody to check your work. And, and I've got Susie kind of in my hip pocket. And, you know, when she was the head coach, I'm checking her work and she's checking my work. And so those are the things that, that bring me pause, if you will, 
is me for some strange reason, just getting the math wrong at the end of the day. Um, but other than that, um, I don't have any trepidation or fear uh, when it comes to picking attempts. Uh, that's what I like to do. It's what I feel I do best. Uh, and that just comes with experience. And so Taylor makes it so easy because his lifts are so laser-like and they're so precise and he's just on point. And he's also honest with himself. Uh, I, I, he, he doesn't typically, having worked with Taylor a handful of times now, he's one who, who can assess pretty well and, 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 and be rational as he's coming off the platform. And so I, I, I value that, you know, you want that feedback from the lifter. And because I have ultra confidence in him, he has ultra confidence in me. And so um, there's, there's never, you know, neither one of us is ever disgruntled in terms of the way that the attempts go down. And, 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 and we talked about it and we talked about all these scenarios. And so we, we, have, we have already planned and installed plans for, what do we do for a missed lift? What do we do if we don't get a call? What do we do if this happens, the chips are in play? And for Taylor, chips are in play on every lift, I mean, <laughs> right? So, so, and, 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 right? And so, and, and, and you have to look at that as well. For Michael, he's got chips in play on squat and bench. Austin's got chips in play on squat and deadlift. And then Cho and LaPointe have the chips in play on deadlift only probably. So you kind of, you know, you weigh those things and you got to look at those critical pieces as well. So it's a lot to take on, but I have supreme confidence in Taylor and I certainly most definitely pick him to win. So, yeah. And, and because I get to play a key role in that performance and, and, and this is not me being cocky, it's just, I have a bit of control, right? So, so I would, if you ask me my confidence points for another weight class, I might have less confidence in that class simply because I'm sitting on the sideline, you know, yeah. for, for one of the games that I actually get to play, I have faith and, and confidence in my ability and my effort, my preparation. And so, yeah, that, that just adds to one of the reasons why I'm confident in Taylor. I've seen, we've all seen close battles where, if it's coming down to five, 10 kilo range, it's going to handling is going to be massive. Um, if it's, if it's a big spread, all right. You know, I'm look at Amanda Lawrence could have her mother probably handle her <laughs> as long as someone's loading the plates and it's not Amanda Lawrence, she going to be all right. But um, you know, when you got 150 kilo or hundred over hundred kilo spread, but when it comes down to 10 kilo, I have seen, how like enough times the world level humbly I have seen these things and be like oh I've ran back to the back of the warm up room, talk to some of the head coaches and be like what happened there. Um, I remember Avi, uh, the head coach for Canada, would sometimes tell me like, here's what happened. I would even message him sometimes and be like, can you break this down for me? Because we had chips in play, but they didn't do this. Or what happened here? He's like, ah, oh, they should have. Threw. Sometimes you got three chips in play. And then, you know, he's breaking these things down. And when you don't know ahead of time, just prep a little bit who might have a chip and how this might affect you. And sometimes the main threat to you might not be getting a chip and you might not be getting a chip, but somebody else 
could, and that might benefit you because if you think the other guy's pulling for the win, but there's a chip in play, like there's other factors that actually help you. We're like, hey, you you know, this guy coming up from behind could actually help me load. He's got a massive deadlift. And, it, and if my man wants to pull for the win, he's got to go up two and a half kilos instead of a chip because he's there. You know, there's different things in play anyways is the point that uh, when you know, when you've done your due diligence, it matters or some people, I swear, are lazy when they roll up the nationals and just kind of like go off a feel. And what do you feel like champ? What do you think? Five kilo? It's like, ah, that's not really handling though. That's local meat handling. Um, but yeah, the, no, sorry. The, go ahead. The other, I, no, the only thing, other thing I was going to interject is, is also just looking at the roster. Taylor has lot number advantage over Perkins and Michael C. So when you look at that, that, that bodes well for us. Um, we're thankful for that. You know, I, I always tell people there is no luck in powerlifting, but for the lot number, please um, tell the, about the lot number, just in case. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so for those who are listening, who don't know, you're randomly assigned a lot number before the competition. And that determines two things. It determines the order in which you weigh in. And more importantly, it determines the order in which you take a weight. If two people call for the same attempt. So if two people are lifting 200 kilos and I have the higher lot number or my lifter has the higher lot number, we get to go after. So we get to see essentially what the competition is doing. So also looking at the lot numbers, you have uh, LaPointe and Cho who have higher lot numbers than Atwood. So presumably, you know, when it comes down to deadlift time or something, or if, the, if, if they're in the mix, you know, they can kind of play the game on their end. Um, but in terms of kind of the three guys who are probably going to be in, in the, in the running for, you know, gold, silver, and bronze, so to speak, uh, Taylor does have the advantage and, and we're not, you know, we're thankful. <laughs> we're not complaining. I mean, you'd always like to have the lot number advantage. Um, the other thing is too, is that Taylor does his homework and he prepares hard and he eats well and he sleeps well and he travels well. And I remember, I think it was in Sweden, Arian can correct me, you know, he's in the warm or, or, or maybe it was at the last raw nationals. Yeah. It was probably raw nationals in 19, He's sitting in line to get weighed in and he's eating, you know, and I don't care what you say, but when you do that in front of your other competitors who look drawn and gaunt <laughs> and tired and Taylor's sitting there, you know, having a sandwich and having a beverage or whatever. And he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, captain cool or whatever you want to call that it. That is so it's, Taylor Atwood. It, dude. it is, you know, and, 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 and look, that type of stuff makes a difference. I don't care what you say. But yeah. but yeah, so weight's not going to be an issue for him and he's ready and he's and he's healthy and he's excited and we're just, yeah, we're ready to go to war. So, um, and, and also look, I, I, we always, and, 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 I, and I mean this with all sincerity, I, you want your competitors to bring it. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I wish them nothing but the best. I wish that they all go nine for nine as well. You know, I hope that they make all of their lifts because that's only going to push Taylor harder and, and encourage him, you know, to lift more. You, you don't want to see somebody else, else miss. I'm not cheering for anybody to miss. We just want our team to lift more. That's all. You know? <laughs> Brings out the best in you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So, yep. um, I also like how you said uh, it's not in terms of numbers, you know, some people chase numbers on the formula. Um, you could get these formula numbers at a local meet, right? Who had the highest points during the year? Yeah. The numbers that matter when your powerlifting career is over 25 years down the road, your, your total number will be shit in 20 years, in two years, that total yeah. number, your Wilkes number, your 
good lift points. If they even have the same formula in 20 years will mean right. nothing uh, yeah. because all your records will be so far back. They'll be like, oh my God, that was a record back in the day. Cause yeah. we have juniors doing that. It's already happened. Like look at Perkins just hate 800, but yeah. one number, the numbers that will never tarnish is like back-to-back world shit, two world championships, six national titles. Those are num- Those are the real numbers. How did you perform in the big game day meets? When you say, don't, don't tell me your total, how does this sound? Six golds at US Nats. It, did he, what's he at right now? Is it, he's, about to, he's going for six? No, he has six straight. So he's about to go for seven. And yeah. back-to-back world championships, two golds at worlds. Like, those are the numbers. Not at a local meet, I got this total, which is 10 years later, probably going to be nothing. Uh, guys, a weight class blow are going to be hitting it. At a local meet... I got, or even at whatever meet, any meet, I got this good lift points. If in 10 years, we're still using good lift points and that, that number for good lift points won't mean anything in 10 years. No, it's tell me your titles. Tell me your titles, baby. Uh, things change in terms of every game, NBA, soccer, whatever. Good points a year is good, but no, if you didn't win the Super Bowl. You, uh, Marino will never be the greatest quarterback, even if he's the greatest quarterback, because he never won a Super Bowl. Right. What are we talking about? Yeah. You're not the GOAT if you never won. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I don't care what you did in the preseason, yeah. in the regular season. It'd be, it'd be funny if someone had like a printout of uh, open IPF, like GL points, like like hung up on their wall. Like, yeah, number one in points or whatever like that. Versus what he will really hang up is their, their medals from the, from the different national world championships you went. You can say, I went to this location. I competed for my country. I won, I won this title. And then he can also say like, hey, you can remember the relationships, as Matt says. I was coached by Jason for whatever, 10 years, and he, he got me to all these championships. You know, my nutrition coach or, you know, my handler, Matt and Susie were there. And most importantly for Taylor's, he can always say, my dad was there for all these national championships and world championships. He traveled around with me. He was my, my mental coach and he was there for me all, for all these uh, relationships. I'm uh, sorry for all these uh, championships, that relationship between his father and him. Yeah. I mean, um, you're 100% right. What, what's uh, what transcend, what move, what transcends like just the nicheness of, of our sport, which is powerlifting. People don't know in general how good certain numbers are, if you ask them for certain weight classes, just the general public, they think it's all crazy strong. And then uh, even within our niche, you can't explain to someone five years ago, this was a good total. Believe me. Uh, Lane Norton was on here saying, look, I was breaking world records. Now guys, two weight classes blow are hitting the same weights. Like, but trust me, it was a world record. I was world-class like, you know, but, and this is going to happen to everybody. You know, that, that's Lane. Cause he's an OG, all the guys from Lane's era, like it's going to happen to everybody right now. It's we'd be, Crazy is egotistical to not think in 10 years time, there's going to be people who are crushing these weights far. We have, we're already seeing some teams coming up and it's insane. So the numbers that are going to in present day impress everybody else in your life is all right. It's all heavy, but yes, six national titles, two world titles, and it would have been three, but worlds was canceled. It would have been seven, but nationals is canceled. Like these are the, those are the numbers that impress Currently, people who don't even know powerlifting and 20 years from now, you want you want to come at me? Don't stop me in the street, in the gym and be like, hey, Taylor, I actually broke your record total. <laughs> it's like, well, I hope you did. But did you break my total seven championships in a row? That's the record I want to hear you broke. Yep. Um, when when uh, 
um, Arian goes to me because we have the um, Ray Williams on the on the like his his uh, picture oh, on, on the yeah, yeah. Arian Ari, Ari goes to me. Um, hey man, if Jesus wins, what's going to happen there? You're going to use Jesus like busting my chops, right? And I and I'm like, listen, man. If you're going to beat Ray, you can't out total Ray once and you beat Ray. You got to win five world titles, my friend. Like that's Ray's legacy. Not, not, a, not a total. You know what I mean? Like maybe you got to yeah. put Taylor next to him soon. Hey man, it's going to get cluttered. It's going to get cluttered in there. But, um, but it's true. That's your legacy is not like the total that's expected. Everyone's going to be, you know, numbers in every sport when it's sprinting or whatever. But if you want to beat Usain Bolt, you, you can't come out the woodwork and beat his record sprint. You got to win three Olympic gold medals, brother. Either, try that. Then you beat Bolt, right? So um, anyways, that's the case actually for a lot of the people you're handling, Garrett, uh, Matt. Uh, let's let's move on to somebody that um, you, you, in terms of handling out of U.S. nationals, um, the time I seen you with Sam, same day, June 7th, 17, sorry. Uh, you got her to a nine for nine. And I swear every single third lift, if a snowflake fell on it, it wouldn't have moved. You got, I've never in my life saw somebody hit a nine for nine RPE 10, got everything out of your lifter. And at the end of the day, it was, I remember messaging Sam saying that was, that was your signature performance right there. And if I'm not, the reason why this one meant so much as well it was the rematch with Jen Thompson and um, a rematch the same year as the Worlds, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I, th- I think the one you're referring to is 2017 Raw Nationals in Orlando. Is it? Um, okay. Oh, wait so, a second. Didn't yeah, 2000, that, what did she go in 2019? Uh, well, so in, ni- yeah, in, ni- in 19, we were in Chicago or I should, or uh, what's it called? Lombard, Illinois, but just call it Chicago. In, in, uh, in 18, we were in Spokane. So mm-hmm. she, she's, she's locked horns with Jennifer uh, quite a few times. And in, 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 in 17, uh, Jennifer won, Jennifer beat her. But I think that's the performance that, that you're referring to because in 17 Orlando, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if a fly would have landed on the bar, I mean, we, 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 we squeezed the most out of that lemon that we possibly could. That was, <laughs> that was, that was 2017 in Orlando where all of her thirds pretty much look like, like you said, RP 10. Uh, and Jennifer, Jennifer beat her. Um, and that's when both of them, I guess, went to, uh, Belarus. So, cause they were, they were we, we took two 63s and then in, um, and then in, they, 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 oh, go ahead in 2000. Uh, let me see here. I'm just trying to, we're, we're taking a little trip down memory lane together, sir. Yeah. So uh, 18, 18 would have been Spokane and Sam was able to pull for the win on her last deadlift. That's when Jen, I guess, what technically hit the total record first and then yeah so we tied one on body weight but so, in, in 18 um yeah. she beat so uh, sorry so in 18 she beat uh jen yes yeah, yeah. so in on, 18 on, on body weight that's right so in 18 is when she lost to jen at worlds and got a chance for redemption quick turnaround at the same nationals a few months later well she lost to jen uh oh that's right uh because well, it was canada yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, that's yes, the Kevin. one. So that's the that's one of them. Look at look at how many times we could talk about. This yeah. is a great segue. Her versus Jen. 
it's yeah. like it's like Agassi it's, versus Sampras Ewing head. Right. But um, uh, you're 47. Take it. Take a year off. Why are you still here? But right. um, but Jen keeps coming back. But no, because um, in 18, that's what made that U.S. Nationals special is that at the World Championships, Jen won, and um, and it was a tight battle as it always is. And then they had a rematch three months later at the U.S. Raw Nationals. And Sam was like, not this time and pieced together a perfect nine for nine performance. Um, and uh, I believe I'm just taking a look at this. Yeah. She hit a, she crossed the 500 kilo barrier on that day too. So she hit a, a PR in terms of, um, you know, and at the time in 2018, that was a big barrier to cross and she hit the 500 kilo 0.5 kilo total. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a look at, they faced several times over. We could write a book on Jen versus Sam and Sam versus, you know, a lot of people at this point, she had a rivalry with Kirsten Dunsmore for a little while there. Uh, yep. Her and Kirsten Dunsmore were going back and forth on the 63s and Sam would be edging her out on body weight. They'd be having the same total, but Sam had the same body weight. And Sam's no, you know, she's not new to this. She's used to the pressure. It feels like every time she comes up, she's got another battle on her hands here. Um, we got some familiar faces. So we got Jen Thompson, who is the 63 kilo goat, uh, the bench press, you know, champion, I think 11 times over, whatever. It's insane. The amount of world championships Jen Thompson has for her name will be here all day. Um, been lifting since the nineties. And then we also have Jen Milliken, who is a two-time world champion, one best lifter at the world championships. And um, in terms of a supporting cast, let me pull up the 63s. But um, yeah, I'll let you speak on this here, Matt. What are you looking at for the 63s here and what you're anticipating in terms of battles? Yeah, so I think it's, I mean, it's like deja vu all over again, right? Yeah. It's, it, you know, like you said, it's, it seems to be the same ca cast of characters. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have Jen uh, join us at our last nationals, which was in uh, 2019. That was in Chicago. Uh, I, I believe she was dealing with an injury at the time, if I'm not mistaken. And so, and, and that was uh, Meg Scanlon was in the mix in the 63s at that, at that one. Um, yeah. So, but, but now it's, it's, you know, it's like deja vu. It's, it's uh, 2018 Spokane all over again, where we've got Jennifer Milliken and Jennifer Thompson and, and just have a tremendous amount of respect for both of those lifters. Uh, and, you know, the, the accolades abound for both of them. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, where you said, like, you know, um, you know, each lifter is going to play to play to her strengths, you know, and, and so you've probably got, you know, it's each, each one kind of reigns supreme within her own discipline, right? You know, it's seemingly Milliken is the best squatter of those three. And so, you know, if, if Jennifer comes out and makes three squats, you know, presumably she could have a little bit of a lead and, um, you know, and, 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 and Calhoun's not far behind her and, and, and Thompson uh, is, is a little ways back, but then of course, you know, makes this quantum leap <laughs> in the bench press and, you know, uh, closes the gap and so forth. And then of course it comes down to the deadlift and, um, and, and that's where Sam, you know, cuts her teeth is in the deadlift. And so it's, it's nice for us to have that ACE card, if you will, up our sleeve. And, uh, you know, our strategy essentially, uh, remains the same, um, you know, whatever analogy you want to use about staying in the pocket or what have you about not being overly aggressive. I mean, we just want to go out and do work and, uh, and, and make our lifts and be a perfect six for six heading into the deadlifts and preferably eight for eight. And then, you know, 
we've we've got that uh, big deadlift in play at the end. And of course, you know, she has an American, re- she is already the American record holder. So we, ha- we have a chip in play that we can obviously use. And, you know, of course, look, I mean, Milliken could have a chip in play on squat. And of course, Jennifer, I presumably will go for a bench record on her third bench, which we fully anticipate. And so, mm-hmm. you know, chips are going to be in play and that, and that makes it more fun. That makes it more exciting. You know, it makes it uh, better for the viewers and, um, but, you know, as, as they always say, I'm just thankful to have the best deadlifter because it's the last event, you know, and she gets to have the final say. And, and I can't say enough good things about Sam. She just, uh, she's a joy to work with. Um, she's just a wonderful, wonderful lady and just an awesome lifter. And again, just, just much like Atwood and, and the other lifters that we're fortunate to work with, she just executes to such a high standard. You know, she just, she, it's rare that she misses a lift. Um, you know, she gives us a lot of confidence that when we call for a number and put a weight on the bar, that that weight's going up, you know? And so I talked to her earlier today and we installed our, our her plan and, and we're just excited to be reunited. So can't and wait for, for an, the opportunity. And for any listeners who, who don't know chips, we throw this around a lot, but um, normal increments are going up two and a half kilo. And for records, you can go up 0.5, but of course you're, uh, so you only have to go up 0.5 and then someone that's going to have to later on different event, try to match you. Of course, they got to go up two and a half kilo increments. Right. Um, yeah, it's going to be a battle. Um, and it, it is crazy how it seems to be the same cast showing up every time. Um, yeah. it, it's same starting to establish herself though. She's starting to break away of the, uh, a bit of, from the pack. Like Jen Thompson is 47 at this point, but it's crazy. She just hit a squat PR I saw on Instagram for what that's worth. Um, so it's insane. I don't know what she's going to bring, but you know, I don't yeah. know how much at 47 you're going to add on to your total, but <laughs> we've seen crazy things, man. A young man named David Ricks is, comes around. You got Superman. And then Jen Milliken, um, I mean, she's a seasoned pro. You know, she, she's won best lift at the world championships. These are people that you know, when they show up to do battle, I think Jen Milliken went nine for nine last time. And um, we were talking about how Meg Scanlon was in the last uh, 63 kilo Nats. Um, The last Nats, she was 63 kilo. And I remember last time we had Sam on, you were with her and I had egg on my face because I had picked Meg. And, and, and I knew it was coming and, and Sam was, and Sam knew it was coming too. I was like, I'm about, I'm about to eat my crow on this one. I'm, I'm about to, that's okay. It's all part of the game. It is yeah. what it is. But, uh, but yeah, it should be, it should be a good battle. I'm, I'm interested in the, the 63s for sure. And yeah. then hopefully we have ourselves a world championships and uh, Sam's a part of it. Cause now she's a season pro. I mean, she's making yeah. world teams left, right and center now. Um, so there we'll get to your, uh, third person on the 17th in a minute, but we have, we have a hard out at seven. So yeah. I'd rather double back into the masters yeah. because we got, uh, we got no fireworks on the 18th. So we got, yeah. we got us, let's hit the, let's hit, let's hit the big boys before we double back. Yeah. So June 8 in Arian, I'm sorry for moving quick. Like, again, if you've got questions, you jump in my friend. Let's um, go to this one. Okay. So yeah. June 18th. Yep. Holy moly. Do you got some battles on your hands here? And, um, I don't, e- I don't even know what to say about the one Oh fives, but it's, it's, yeah. you got, that's the, that's the land with Ashton Ruska in the mix and uh, yeah. Rouska, sorry. And, uh, yep. you know, Bryce, who's, uh, you know, you said before, you're lucky you got such 
professionals and amazing talent. The guy is Mr. Cons- all these lifters are Mr. Consistencies and Mrs. Consistencies, but um, Bryce is, he's dangerous in all three lifts. Um, yep. He rarely misses and he's won world titles, national titles, but he's got his work cut out for him. Doesn't he, sir? Big and, time. And, and Ashton yeah. is a little up down, you know, it's total yep. can be nine fifty one one day and then a whole different number another day. And he looks like the favorite for nationals. And you saw that last time they met and Bryce took out the win. So you're not sure it's, it's, it's so entertaining. It's, it's Ashton's up down makes it more entertaining. And uh, cause he's capable of anything on a good day. Um, what are you thinking here, sir? What were your thoughts walking into this? Yeah. So, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is just an exciting session overall with, you've got three weight classes going at once, but we'll just take them in order. I mean, like you said, the one Oh fives, um, you've got some heavy hitters across the board in this weight class. And you've got, again, different people excelling in different disciplines. And so um, I heard you all talking on uh, a previous preview show about Mikey Davis. I mean, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen with him. Cert- I mean, he's out he, officially now. He, he officially said okay. I'm, I'm out. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but you've got, you know, you've got a, you've got a David Wilson in there who can, who can pull, <laughs> pull the top off the place uh, literally and figuratively, you know, and you've got Jacob Mandola, of course, who's really come along um, just, I mean, you know, he's the tip of the spear and the bench press, but he's, um, you know, not lacking as much as he was before he's really brought up his other lifts. So mm-hmm. I expect uh, him to be a key player um, and, you know, but I, I, I think, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of admit that, you know, those top two slots are going to come down to the way that it came down to, uh, in, uh, in Chicago in 2019 between Ashton and, uh, and Bryce. And so, you know, look, I, I talk about this all the time. Um, Ashton Ruska is matter of factly the strongest man in the room. And I don't think that anybody would deny that he's, He's proven that, you know, he's proven that uh, not just on Instagram, but he's proven it for real on the platform in terms of his total, you know, the 950.5. I mean, he is the American record holder holder in total, you know, Um, as you said, Bryce has done close to that uh, in his, in his mock meet, you know, I think the meet that he was going to do this spring got, got canceled or postponed or what have you due to COVID. So he wasn't able to, to, to do that. So he did a mock meet and, uh, but you know, so Ashton has actually put that on the platform. The, the, the question remains, uh, as you said, because Ashton competes so frequently and um, you know, because he competes so frequently, I think that's part of the reason that his, his, the, the, the points on his graph, so to speak, can be, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, it just, we'll see if he can bring it on game day, you know, and put together the type of performance that we all know he's capable of. I mean, I've seen him do it, you know, cause he's been living in Virginia. So before I moved uh, out to Montana, you know, I saw Ashton compete. I was there for some of those performances and it's mm. just, it's his, it's jaw dropping strength. And um, it's, just, and he's just a class act all around. I just love that guy. He's a, he's a really salt of the earth human being and he's in our military. So I have mad respect for that. And um, yeah, so, I mean, look, he, he's going to be Bryce's biggest challenger. And um, interestingly enough, you know, uh, we huddled up on our call with Eric Helms who does uh, Bryce's programming. And then of course, Bryce, and we talked about the chips and so forth being in play. And I said, well, Bryce, you know, you don't have any chips in play. <laughs> I said, you know, you don't have a chip in the squat because that's Ashton's world. 
I said, you sure as hell don't have a chip in the bench because that's Jake Amendola's world, right? <laughs> you sure as hell don't. And, and so, you know what I mean? Uh, you, and, and so what's, I guess, what's the deadlift record? I'm trying to remember now. It's, it's like 383 or 3.5. Okay. Right. So we've, we've got a maybe on the deadlift for Bryce. I mean, depending on the type of day that he has. But you know what I mean? So I said, really, for the most part, you probably don't have any chips in play. But what I have in play with you is your consistency and your precision and your execution. And the fact remains that you consistently make, you know, eight or nine lifts pretty much on every showing. And, and, and we can, with, with a high degree of certainty and prob- probability, be, be excited about the fact that, that Bryce is going to make whatever we put on the bar. You know, the only reason that he missed, uh, he, he, di- he did miss a big bench um, back at 2019 Nationals, and he got a little bit distracted, um, you know, by somebody in the front row of the audience and, and so forth. And, and then that last deadlift that he had, uh, it popped out of his hand at the top. But, um, you know, and that was, if you recall, that was kind of a strategic play. We, we had the lot number advantage in 2019. We do not this year. So Ashton has the lot number advantage. And so presumably, you know, as you guys have said on the other podcasts and appropriately so, you know, Ashton's going to be pulling last. He's going to get to see what we do. And uh, he's going to get to load up whatever he needs to load up. You know, in 2019, we forced his hand. And because we had lot number advantage, we forced Ashton to take not only a weight that he didn't want to take, but a weight that he didn't need. Um, You know, he only needed 15 and a half kilos to catch us and went on body weight, but we made him go up 22 and a half kilos. And that's, you know, again, um, not tooting my own horn, but that's knowing the rules and that's knowing the flow of competition and where these lot numbers, you know, are become important. And so for all these people who say that game day coaching and handling is, is not important, um, you know, that's, that's where I would offer the contrary opinion. That it can, is, can you speak on that for a minute? Because please, it kills me yeah. that people don't know how important game day coaching is. And this is going to turn to a video clip I'm going to use. So <laughs> if you could tell me it, this is beautiful and we can lay this out. So yeah, game day coaching for powerlifting is critical, particularly at the higher level meets. Uh, if you don't have somebody in your corner who functions not only as a coach for you, uh, as a person who's calling the numbers and doing all the grunt work, but is also uh, an advocate for you. You need an advocate. You need somebody who's going to go to bat for you against the jury, potentially, if there's a call that doesn't go your way that's worth disputing. Uh, You need somebody who has a comprehensive understanding of the rules, a comprehensive understanding of the timing of the, of the meat flow and so forth. And so if you don't have that at these higher level meets, you're going to get steamrolled and you're going to get lost in the weeds. And so, you know, these people who make these comments about, you don't, you don't need a, a game day coach. Well, yeah, at a local meet, you know, maybe you don't. Cause like you said, you're, you're at that point, you're just, you know, loaded on the bar and you're trying to go nine for nine, you know, you're trying to hit your biggest numbers. And it's more like a test day where you're, yeah. where you're unchallenged. But here, these decisions that are being made and as, as Arian keeps saying, they have to be made on a time clock. You know, you don't have an infinite amount of time to make these decisions. So it's, that's why we do our homework beforehand. We do, we have the, can you say specifically also about the Ashton, a little more detail on how you guys beat Ashton with that as well. Yeah. So, so in 2019 was the last time that these two guys locked horns and I'm actually going to pull up the results right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that I a good example of, and this is going to help for people to understand, but how, and it's like, well, here is how. Yeah. So if we go to, give me one second. I'm yeah, sorry. Sure. I'm, I'm pulling yeah, up sure. uh, 2000. 
19. Let's see. Um, give me one second. I apologize. No uh, worries, sir. All right. If we go to... Oops, I should have had this one. I think I had it pulled up, and then I, for some reason I referenced something else. Okay, so if we look back here at 2019 Raw Nationals, um, and I don't have the lot numbers right in front. Are they? They're not listed, are they, Arian? I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look like they're listed. But that. But that. Oh, actually, they are listed. Okay, yeah. So they are listed. So Bryce Lewis in 2019 in Chicago had a lot number of 1197 and Ashton had a lot number of 1196. And so uh, both of these guys were uh, uh, Bryce was five for six at subtotal. Right. And Ashton was a perfect six for six. And so, so if I add up their subtotals, I just want to see who was ahead. Uh, Bryce was at 542 and a half at sub. And Ashton was at 537. So Ashton was five kilos behind us, but he has the body weight advantage. So when you're running numbers and playing the game, so to speak, Ashton knows that all he has to do is tie us. But because we had the lot number advantage, you know, we, we, we uh, opened up at 340 kilos, looked good. We took a 20 kilo jump to 360. Uh, Ashton opened up lighter than we did. And then he took uh, an even bigger jump. He took 22 and a half kilos. So that made up a little bit of ground for Ashton. But going into that last, that final attempt, Ashton was behind. If you run the math, he was 15.5 kilos behind. So because Ashton's second attempt was 350, he would have needed, in theory, to take 365.5. But as that's not a record, he's not allowed to take that number. So I think the magic number for Ashton at that time would have been 367 and a half. But once again, because Ashton did not have the lot number advantage, we strategically put in 370 for our third attempt. It was a number that we felt very confident in Bryce being able to make. Um, we had a, that was a high probability make for us. Now Bryce went out and hit the lift. And if you recall, or you look at the video, he was locking it out and the bar literally just popped out of his hands at the very top of the, of the lift. But so even though we missed that and we were relegated to having a 902.5 total, Ashton was going after us because he'd already called for a number because you can't go, they're not going to take weight off the bar. Yeah, That's how the lot numbers work. It doesn't work that way. So they can't take, they can't say, Oh, Bryce, well, you missed 370. Ashton can't say, well, I only need 367 and a half. You know, they're, they're not going to do that. They're not going to download the bar. You can only go up. So Ashton took 372 and a half which for him was a 50 pound jump from his second attempt. And honestly, I really thought that he had the strength, but it just proved to be too much. And it proved to be, like I said, more than Ashton needed. So there was some gamesmanship there. There was some strategy there. That's why we chose the 370 because we knew that if Ashton was going to make a move and, and Ashton made it clear, he wasn't playing for second, mm. you know, and Joseph Franzo did the right thing and played the game and, and beat Ashton by, by 0.5, you know, with Joey Flex. yeah, Joey, yeah, Joey flex. So <laughs> our listeners will be like, yeah, who the fuck? <laughs> who, who, who the hell's, yeah, yeah, right. I'm, 
I'm his father only... at this point. His father calls him that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joseph Franzo. It's funny because I'm the only cat that comes on your podcast who probably doesn't identify right. by his Instagram handle, um, yeah. which I most certainly do not. But anyhow, that's another story. But anyway, so there was some strategy there. So this year we don't have that advantage. We know uh, that, that Bryce is going to have to, we, we fully expect Bryce is going to have to go nine for nine. We're going to have to make all of our lifts and look at the end of the day, we want to make our nine attempts, get the most out of Bryce that we possibly can and make Ashton excruciatingly uncomfortable or as uncomfortable as we possibly can. And you want to actually don't hand him the championship, force Ashton to walk out for his third attempt, no matter what it is, whether it's in his wheelhouse or whether it's in a reach a reach. Maybe, you know, maybe look, if Bryce isn't feeling it on his third and we take a conservative third, then Ashton may not have to take a huge jump. You know what I mean? Because, you know, Ashton's going to be the lighter guy. I think we all know that. So he's not only is he going to have a lot number advantage, but he'll have body weight advantage. And um, yeah, so he can go for the tie at that point, take the lowest, effectively the lowest deadlift number that he needs, because why take any more than you need? You know, you don't, you don't want to take any more than you need and tie us, but we want to make him as uncomfortable as possible. And matter of factly, make him go out for his last deadlift. And I know that Ashton and his coaches know that, you know, know that um, that's our strategy. It's no secret. And that's what you have to do when you don't have the lot number advantage. And when matter of factly, you know, Austin, you know, probably has, or Ashton, I should say, probably has the higher ceiling. So, you know, he's going to be ahead of Bryce in the squat. We're going to make up some ground in the bench. And then it's going to come down to deadlift and the two of these gentlemen deadlift very, very closely. Their, their, their uh, aptitudes, if you will, are, are very close in the deadlift. And so don't count Bryce out. Um, we have a lot of confidence in Bryce. And of course, because we're coaching him, that's why I would pick him. Um, you know, it's one of those things where Ashton has to prove uh, that, that he can do it on game day. And we would be the first people to walk across the platform and hug that guy and shake his hand and congratulate him and say, well done, sir. Um, you know, but again, you, you want to force him to take it from you. You don't want to give anything away. Well done, sir. But we also will see you next year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's probably a lot easier for Bryce in terms of being like all the haze in the barn, the hard work is done. And at least I got Matt Gary handling me and he knows all the rules. And he, when he goes up to the jury board, the jury's going to make, well, it is Matt Gary. It's not. Um, uh, a social media influencer approaching me trying who doesn't know the rules and trying to play it up for the cameras it's gonna be tough to win a debate on the rules with Matt Gary like that's coming you know it's different it's just different Um, and for a guy like Bryce if you're in a super tight battle you're like okay I can hand the reins to somebody like that with confidence as opposed to handing the reins to someone else who is like you sure you know what's going on here um, I want to talk about the Ray Williams battle before we talk about Dennis. Cause I know we got a hard out time is not a friend and we love to chat. My friend, we cover two, we're closing in on two hours like that. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're closing in on two hours so quickly, Matt. And, um, it is because we're, we freaking love to talk my man. Uh, but let's talk about the Ray Williams. Cause my goodness, he's got himself quite the contender this year. Jesus Oliveris, um, yeah. seems to have, almost come out of nowhere. I mean, he's so young he, at 21 years old, um, registering, you know, the biggest total we had in, in the USAPL and even the IPF for that matter uh, for 2020. And he, as a junior at only 21 years old, um, the last time 
Ray Williams was competing. Jesus at the Raw Nationals. Jesus wasn't even in the lineup at the time. Um, I think the last time he was competing, which is only two years ago, he might have even been a teenager, uh, for goodness sake. And, you know, so he really came out of nowhere. The progress has been amazing. He's almost like an Austin Perkins in his own right, where sky's the limit for this kid. In 10 years' time, when when uh, you know Ray's in 10 years and, and Taylor's in 10 years and they're out the game doing whatever they're doing, these guys will be the same age as Ray and Taylor are now. Like, it's phenomenal what they're doing. It's kind of exciting. But before then, they got themselves a battle. And um, Ray, first half of 2019, looked like, you know, like, like Ray looks, right? <laughs> the guy who was on ESPN, breaking barriers, taking our sport on his back and walking into the mainstream squatting, being the first man across a thousand pounds raw and, 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 you know, everything, all the five world championships and all the titles and everything he did. And then the second half, you know, things, things hit the fan at worlds, um, regrouped very low. The, the, the change around from worlds to uh, us raw Nats ordinarily is very quick turnaround regrouped from that took that title and we were thinking, okay, 2020, you know, but 2020 was, was not the 2020 we expected and it was a complete whitewash for everybody. So it's been a minute and Ray sometimes posts, sometimes doesn't, <laughs> you know, and Ray, sometimes you think, you know, where his body weight's at. Sometimes you don't. Um, and Ray's life has changed so much since, you know, when, when we seen him at the last time we saw him post up like Ray, like we know Ray, you know, he's a family man. He's got a lot of things going now. He's a coach. Um, you know, he's always a, a, a football coach and he's a powerlifting coach and a lot of things. So there's question marks around Ray, right? Um, and I know you can't give too much because we're about to go into battle, right? So you can't give, well, yeah. Well, what can you tell us about this? Well, what, what I can tell you, and, and, and I hate to be anticlimactic, I'm, I'm glad that you said all those things because um, I wanted you to shine the light on Jesus and because um, uh, he's certainly due his praise. Um, but I have a very unfortunate announcement. Um, Ray is officially out of the competition. Holy and so, uh, shoot. Ray Williams tested positive for COVID yesterday. Oh, my goodness, man. And so I just, I just found out. And um, it's extremely unfortunate. Both of us are crushed, frankly. Um, we're really disappointed. Um, there's just a lot of emotions going on right now, to be quite honest with you. But um, he's very sad. He's angry. He's upset. He's all of the roller coaster of emotions that one could, could go through. Um, because, you know, if you recall, as you, as, you, as you just painted the picture so eloquently, you know, Ray, for those that don't know, and I'm not going to go into tremendous detail, but Ray got very sick in Sweden and wound up bombing in the squat. And of course, Jezza Weppa uh, won the championship and very happy for Jezza. And then Ray, you know, uh, came back to nationals. And I know that a lot of people were um, under impressed, if you will, by his lackluster performance at nationals, but be, check the body weight, be very mindful of the fact that he was nowhere near back up to his level. He was still dealing with the lingering effects of that significant drop in body weight, that intestinal problem that he had and so forth. And so we weren't up to full speed. Um, naturally, we were just playing for the win at that point. And so um, Ray had a good prep. And I, I kept telling Ray over the past year and a half, two years or year and a half, I said, look, man, you have been blessed with the gift of time. And so 
uh, COVID in large part has been uh, a curse, if you will, on this world. But what it has given us is time to prepare and time to reflect and time to heal from injury and time to train and time to get better and time to work on our craft. Now, father time is undefeated and, 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 you know, um, you know, he, he, he's getting older and Jesus is, is a lot younger and clearly Jesus's ceiling and, and rate of adaptation is much, much higher than Ray's, but Ray had a good prep last year and um, a good prep this year. And we were very excited to compete. And it made me chuckle when I was listening to the preview podcasts before at P- how people were so quickly counting him out because, and again, it's recency bias, right? And it makes sense. I get it. The last thing you saw of Ray that meant anything was raw nationals in 19 and he underperformed. And we know that. And we, and part of that was strategic. Um, we knew that he wasn't coming in in top form and we knew that he was dinged, so to speak. So we just took what we needed to secure the W and get the hell out of the building, so to speak. Um, Mm. But it's funny that people want to judge him on that performance rather than the cumulative, you know, uh, more global reflection of his resume in whole. And so uh, we're very saddened because the two of us were very much looking forward to competing, looking forward to these obstacles we relish the challenges and we respect our competitors i mean entirely um we've done our homework on the other two guys in this weight class um we know what they bring we know the challenges that they present and we know that jesus in particular was going to be um formidable and and we respect that but we also welcomed it and ray was looking forward to locking horns with that guy um but at this point it is what it is we focus on the things that we can control and i was we just talked um you know late last night was when he got the news and when he got tested and and so literally yesterday this happened and so that's why i was i I know that i'm kind of dropping a bomb on your podcast and on the powerlifting community as a whole um but it is what it is and so ray williams is officially out is um and how is ray feeling uh you know, uh, I think right now, just, I mean, uh, f- physically he's experiencing a lot of the characteristic symptoms that, okay. that come along with COVID. Um, he's lost his sense of smell, his sense of taste. Um, he's got a little bit of body ache and some, some lethargy that he's dealing with and so forth. Um, yeah. And I mean, other than that, you know, I told him, I said, look, man, I'm lifting you up in prayer and you're a young man and you're healthy and you're vibrant and you're going to get through this and you're going to overcome it. And it's, this is just, you know, this, this is just another hurdle, uh, in our path, a little obstacle. And so it's just, we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not pushing the reset button. We're just pushing pause. And so, um, it is what it is. We want to have the ultimate respect for our competitors and, 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 and not come down there, obviously. I mean, he can't come down there when no, he has yeah, COVID, no. uh, COVID. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. we're not going to do that. So no. of, of course not. Um, you know, we respect our competitors. We respect the rules. We, we want to play by the rules. And so it's very, very unfortunate. Um, the, the physical aspect is the one side of it, but mentally it's taking its toll on him as well. So, um, I, you know, respectfully, I mean, look, you know, I know that people are going to chat on social media and that's what people do. And this is sports talk, but I wanted, you know, I told him, we talked it over, we thought about it and I wanted to deliver the, the message as his coach. I wanted it to come from me. And so, you know, if anybody wants to take a shot at him, just come and, you know, take a shot at me you know, let me deflect any criticism that you might have or say that this is a cop out or whatever, or he was going to get his ass kicked or what have you, you know, look, the story is, is, is remains to be written. We, we wish all the super heavy competitors 
the best of strength and skill at this competition, both Ray and myself. And we hope that they show and prove. And I hope that these guys knock it out of the park and, and, and raise the bar maybe on some of the standards. And so, but rest assured that Ray Williams is not done. Yeah. I mean, uh, holy smokes. I'm still digesting this to tell you the truth. Yeah. This was, uh, I yeah. didn't know. Well, I... And, and, I, and I know that it's going to shake up your fantasy league and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, so the... I, I, I did, I, but I wanted, I wanted, you know, I didn't want to tell you, I just wanted to tell you on the podcast because then, yeah. you know, your, your reaction is more likely to be authentic and, and, and genuine. And I think, look at the most basic level, right. If you don't, if you don't view Ray Williams like a human being and as a person and just, you know, um, you know, feel for him on a physical and emotional level, then man, come on, step aside. You know, I mean, powerlifting is, is something that we do. It's a hobby for most of us. None of us are making millions because of this, but, but we appreciate and respect every single person, every single one of them who steps into the arena and steps onto the platform. But at a most basic level, you've just got to feel for the man, you know, because he's facing, you know, a physical challenge. And now of course, you know, being disappointed and, and, and frankly heartbroken that he's not able to compete you know now now it's going on you know two years now so but it is what it is and um you know every obstacle that's put in our path is put there for a reason and we have every intention of using it as a springboard to his future success yeah saying ray williams is afraid to show up at a powerlifting meet is ridiculous uh, i don't think anyone's gonna go that far if you if you like i thought jesus was pacing uh, uh phenomenally and obviously you've listened to podcasts i i had picked jesus but yeah. to say that um i would ever think that ray williams would be afraid to any man alive in a powerlifting contest uh, would be ridiculous. The guy is a five-time world champion, um, won six national titles, was looking to break it, uh, that record, and add a seventh. Um, that's a – look at like, it doesn't matter who you had picked. There's no freaking way Ray Williams, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm afraid to power lift. The guy showed up at Sweden and lifted when he was a shell of himself. Um, like that's, that's crazy. But uh, I honestly don't think too many people are going to go there because um, I think if you've been around the block, you know, everything Ray has done. He's literally, you know, put the sport on his back and ran with it. Uh, so regardless um, yeah, it's, it's terrible news. And, and obviously, you know, COVID it's, it's no joke, especially like Ray's a big man. And, um, and when you're Ray's size, COVID hits you different. So it's a little scarier, um, for sure. You know, it's, yep. it's, it really is. He, he's the demographic that it would be, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be fine. Um, or I hope he's going to be fine, but you got to take that seriously. And then on top of that, there is no freaking way anybody with a conscience is going to know they're COVID positive and travel and, no, and do no, that. Like that would be, no. if, if you, if of somebody wanted to ask Ray to do that, Ray, no. if you were really like, if, 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 if a listener or someone in the powerlifting community is like, well, he should now come on, man, stop right there. Listen, yeah, just, you, you, you know, come on, man. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's, that's not an option. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Look at no matter what, it's still Ray Williams. Um, he's still everything I already said in terms of, uh, you know what? I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm genuinely rattled, but um, I'm glad I said everything I said earlier in the, in the episode about when we talk about guys like Ray, talk about guys like um, Taylor Atwood, talk about these guys. 
their legacy piece isn't specific numbers. And I think, uh, you know, guys like Perkins and Jesus who will go on to hit the, like certain numbers that, you know, they're it's every sport period. I use Usain Bolt as uh, uh, another example, people will hit certain numbers, but if you want to actually attempt to hit what he hit on his legacy, it's going to take like numbers, like five worlds, uh, you know, six national titles, et cetera. Like that's, those are the numbers, not his squat, not his bench, not his dead. So, um, yeah, and that's uh, – it's, it's tough because obviously um, this means he can't go to Worlds, so we're not going to see Ray on a big stage uh, for another year now. Yep. And that's um, what, But – That's what's additionally disheartening, but, it, yeah, it is. Look, it is. he also has, a, has an opportunity, whatever's going on in his life, you know, he can focus on other things now. Yep. And, um, he's you know, pursuing, he's pursuing his doctorate. He's got a lot going on. Like you said, with coaching football season is going to be coming up shortly. Um, he's a married man with, with youngsters running around and he's a family man first. And yeah. So, I mean, this is, yeah, it's just, it's just an, a, another part of his journey, another part of his chapter that remains to be written. And, and, you know, Lord, Lord willing, these two guys, I'm sure they want to face each other on the platform. Hey, Zeus is competitive. Lord knows Ray Williams is competitive, um, you know, to, to be continued. To be continued. There it is, my friend. Um, area worth seven. Are you okay? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I guess we can call that an end point, or if you guys want to talk and I'll go, because I got my next meeting. All right. Cool. Let's chat a little, a little bit more, Arian. Uh, thanks for hanging in there, sir. We'll yeah. talk in a little bit. Thanks for jumping in. And Thanks, um, I know Arian's hustling like crazy lately. We all are. So all thank you, sir. We'll talk, Arian. We'll talk in a little bit, buddy. Yeah, no problem. See you guys. Okay. See ya. Um, yeah. So, all right. We'll talk about Dennis. I do have a, I, I got, I got another, fi- are you good for another like 15 minutes? Yeah, let's go, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah cool. for sure. Yeah, we can talk um, about Dennis. Let's talk about Dennis for a minute here. Let me pull up the, uh, the 120s. Yep. Yep. Um, so Dennis has, uh, Jared Martin, Dave, David Moore, um, yep. Blake Atwell, uh, nasal rod. We got, we got the, the 120 boys are here. Um, Nathan Alexander's back. He's, he has a phenomenal comeback story back in 2019 when he broke yeah. the deadlift world record coming back from breaking his neck in a squat to breaking a world record in the deadlift, a phenomenal deadlift. comeback story. He's back. Um, Ryan stills, Wiley veteran in his mid forties, seeing him, he's a, and he's hitting PRs, a world champion in the masters and he's hitting PRs despite being in his mid forties. Um, Isaac Whistler, who's a a Joey flex disciple and, um, you know, a young guy, but, uh, smashing some big weight. So it's a pretty stacked division that Dennis is going in there with. And, um, it's one of those funny situations where he's, he's roundly considered the 120 kilo class goat. You know, he's definitely the greatest of all time. And um, it's almost, it's, have you had communication with him? Is he looking at some of these other guys? And what are your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, Dennis, Dennis and I talked earlier this week. Uh, for the most part, his, his heaviest uh, training is wrapped up. You know, he's got to hit some, the only thing significant left for him is a couple 
benches, but uh, he's healthy and he's, he's ready to meet the challenge. And, and, and Dennis have a, has a high level of respect for his fellow um, competitors. And he, he's one of these guys, like I said, that enjoys the camaraderie of lifting. So he looks forward to these championships as well, just kind of, you know, um, hooking up with the guys in the warm-up room and that sort of thing. And yeah, we, we, we have respect. I, I, we don't, we, we don't take anybody lightly um, just, just because he's the clear front runner. And, and obviously, you know, um, the strongest guy in the room doesn't mean that, you know, Dennis is, is infallible. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got to make his lifts and, and we have to be mindful of these other competitors, but, you know, by the same token, it's, you know, it, it, it's pretty much his to lose. I mean, and that's not being disrespectful. It's just that he's, he's got a leg up on his competitors, particularly, you know, um, in the squat and in the bench, you know, you've got, you've got Nathan Alexander, obviously, who's got the deadlift record. And so, you know, he can make some moves there. Um, but Dennis has had a good prep. Uh, he's very, very strong. Uh, he's, I, I don't, I don't want to let too many cats out of the bag, but he still has in mind uh, that he wants to be the lightest, you know, drug-free man to ever total a thousand kilos. And so um, that goal is pretty high up on his list in addition to winning, obviously. Um, and it's in play. So uh, without, you know, really revealing, you know, our specific numbers or playing our hand too much, you know, that's, that's in play. Um, assuming that he makes his, you know, high, high amount of lifts in the first two disciplines, that'll be in play. Um, if it doesn't, it changes our plan a little bit. And then maybe we're just going for that American record, but he's in, he's in top form and he's healthy and he's had his body weight under control. You know, in the past, Dennis has had to do, um, a little bit more significant cuts, but um, he's, his, he's starting his cut a little lighter this time and has been on top of that. And so that's exciting. And so a lot of the lifts that you see him put out on social media, you know, some of them have been at or under body weight oh, wow. and, and, and only a few of them have been just a stitch over. So um, yeah, we're just excited about the opportunity. Look, look for big things from Dennis Cornelius. But as I said, we're not we're not shortchanging the Jared Martins and the Nathan Alexanders and, and these other guys, you know, the Whistler, the new kid on the block and so forth. Um, Ryan Stills, of course, the, the Wiley veteran, love Ryan. Um, we're just looking forward to, to this opportunity that's in front of us. It's, um, you know, with Dennis so, and, and sometimes in the other classes too, I think the situation's the same with uh, the 105s. Sometimes there are chips in play and um, it's the guy who, it's somebody else who's got the chip in play for, for the deadlift that isn't going to possibly be a metal contender threat. And right. he, actually it's like a tag team match where that person's helping you out and, and yeah. you're actually cheering for them. You're like, it's, you're like, Mr. Yeah. Wilson, I hope you get the chip so that Ashton doesn't have it over us in the one Oh fives and Mr. Alexander, nobody's rooting for you more outside of your camp than Dennis yeah. Cornelius and Matt Gary, who are like, please take this chip away from our competitors. It's true. It's like, yeah. you help them this out a little bit here. Yeah. Um, it's funny so, how sometimes that works out. Yeah. I mean, Dennis will have a chip in play for the squat because he's got the American record in the squat. Um, the bench is off the table because once again, Jake Amendola, he has the record in the 120s because I think he weighed in heavy for a meet and took the 120 uh, bench record as well. Um, so, but uh, Dennis, you know, De Dennis has a, a chip available in the squat and, and, and has the capability certainly of, of beating his own PR total, which is an American record total. So, mm. um, at the, at, at the very least, we anticipate him doing that. So 
and and that's our that's our objective you know win obviously and secure that american record total and if it's in play possibly take a shot at a thousand kilos which would be just you know amazing for a guy to to do that you know raw and, and drug drug free yeah no yeah i mean certainly i mean obviously winning is number one like you said yep. and then conceivably going to the world championships and collecting more titles and building on that legacy is the 120 kilo goat but um something that would be the stamp like i was saying earlier and i don't want to be a hypocrite but i was saying earlier how numbers won't matter in the, like the numbers that matter in the future are titles so winning first and then your you know your total number your squat number in the future won't mean as much but one thing people always remember is who was first on certain barriers so ray squatted a thousand first and when you squ so he was the first man to do it and that people remember who was the first to do certain things. So if he hits the first 120 to hit a thousand kilo, that's your footnote. And then the guy who hits 110, the guy who hits 120, five years later on down the road. No, it's it's funny because it's more, but yep. people are gonna forget about them and people will remember who hit first. So that's when you cross over a barrier thresholds, a big deal. Um, we might see the same thing in the 83s for a 700 pound squat, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we got a few people possible of uh, doing that, but um, we'll see if Dennis can. And um, it kind of depends on just how feisty his competitors are in the one twenties. If he's pressed yeah. and it's like, listen, it's closer than we thought it was going to be. You're yep. pressed. And uh, I don't know if you should go over what you need to win. <laughs> it's like, maybe we back it up or, or maybe it's like, okay, this, the dust has settled. I think we could roll the dice, but the last thing you wanted, I know as a handler, you're, you're telling yourself my job, your job is to lift, but my job is to make a quick decision. It would be real tough for you to be like, Oh my God, if I got my hand slapped going into the cookie jar, going for that thousand kilo total, he missed the last dead. And somebody comes out of nowhere and takes yeah. the title and they're like, Matt, not yeah. you. So yeah, I know what you mean. We're like, listen, I gotta, yeah. We'll see what happens. You, that's when you're doing the calculator. Can anybody catch us? Yeah, and you have, you know, and you do your due diligence beforehand with 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 every single person that that we're coaching on game day. We have these conversations. We do we do Skype calls. We do face to face calls, and we huddle up to install their game plan. And it's a collaboration. It's not a dictatorship. Um, but we we once we install the game plan, we talk about lot numbers. We talk about chips and records when when they're relevant. And we talk about all of these scenarios mm. and, and we, we roll through literally, I try to think of scenarios that, that, you know, are unlikely, but could possibly happen. Um, you know, what happens if you get called on depth? Um, but the attempt looked fantastic anyway, you know, are we yeah, confident, yeah, yeah. you know, are we, you know, are we confident that we can go up still, you know, and how much do we go up? And we have all these conversations beforehand you know, it's just like, it's just like you see when teams play the Super Bowl, they kind of script out some plays. Well, we have plays scripted as well. So that when the crap hits the fan or things or the ball doesn't bounce our way, you know, um, we, we, we don't blink. We, we respond, you know, with this is our selection because we made this decision beforehand with no adrenaline, no emotional attachment. You know, the, 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 we, we weren't out in the arena, so to speak. We were doing this, you know, in the comforts of our own homes and making these decisions calculated beforehand so that we can make these decisions under a 60 second time clock, obviously. Mm. And we just, we just know what option we're going with. And so there is really, 
no hesitation whatsoever, particularly when it comes into those, because we've already made the decision. The decision was made a week ago, two weeks ago. You know, the only decision to your point is, you know, look, when you have something wrapped up and it's in the bag and you can't be threatened, then yeah, then you can play the, you know, you can YOLO a little bit if you want to, you know, or what have you. But the first and foremost objective for all of these lifters, you know, is making as many attempts as they possibly can and securing the W as as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And then once, and then once you've secured the W, all the other accoutrements are, are just that they're icing on the cake. They're the cherry on top of the Sunday, so to speak. It's, it's a, and that's where I think some people who do handling and they haven't done enough of that's what experience brings you is when you meet up with the athlete a week out. So the questions you're asking are the things that you've actually been in. Like, you're like, listen, I, that's not going to happen again. Like certain things, like over 25 years, you've been so many scenarios. You're like, we were in a scenario where we had to work out something and I need to ask them something, but the adrenaline's going through the body. And I'm like, I think you might regret this decision, but I have to ask. And then later on, you're like, all right, I don't like how that worked. So next time when I'm with an athlete, I'll ask them ahead of time. Like you said, you made a point of saying, there's no adrenaline in our bodies. You're not looking to just clear headed right now. What does this mean to you? If this is the scenario and there's scenarios, you don't only experience, let you know about scenarios. The only time you actually like enough experience, you've seen enough scenarios because it's tough, man. You can't foresee what you don't know. You just walk in there. We'll get you nine for nine. We'll, we'll get the most out of you. But when you've been in enough, when the shit has hit the fan enough times, you're like, you've been in those trenches and you're like, this could, this could pop up. I foresee this. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, you know, the, the rankings and I'm seeing who's doing what and the chips and play. And this is what's happened to me back in, you know, 2013 or whatever, you know, random yeah. year back in the early two thousands, this came up and hit, you know, if this happens, what, which way do you want to swing on this? And then be like, okay, I'll bring this up to you at the time. And you know, we're on the same page here. And uh, it is important, man. And that's the only thing that confidence, that's what like experience brings you. That's why you have that confidence. That it's another thing that experience brings you is confidence. So you put that paper in being like, well, we knew ahead of time. Yes, sir. Um, I, we got like three minutes, but yeah, that's some masters people. I don't want you to go, look at, you told me yeah. you had a 90, you have the oldest lifter of the U S here's another one for you, but you, yeah. you, you've, you've, of all the experiences you've had, um, uh, you're, you're now handling a 90 year old. So yep. with caution, my man, warmups are interesting. <laughs> you know, how you feeling? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I've got, so shout out to my man, Sam Penner, who's 90 years young. He'll be competing as an M6, um, and he's doing the bench-only competition on Thursday afternoon. So we open with Atwood, we go to Calhoun, and then we go to uh, Sam Penner. And so uh, Sam's been competing. You know, he's only been competing in powerlifting, well, now for about a decade. So, you're, 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 you know, it's funny that we say that. I mean, he's been competing. I mean, he started when he was about 80. So, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's funny. We're sitting here laughing about it, but it's proof positive. And it's cliche that it's, it's never too late to start never. And that you can get stronger because he matter of factly got a lot stronger in his bench press to competition standard, obviously. Um, when we started work, you know, started working together. I think when I first started working with Sam, he could probably bench about 65 kilos, uh, with a pause and we got him all the way up to 83 kilos. So it was, uh, five years ago at the age of 85, he bench pressed 83 kilos in the 83 kilo weight class. So how many 85 year old men do you know can walk around 
and bench press 83 kilos with a pause. Not it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, when you really think about that, this is like, it's as incredible as some of these other lifters. It's just like, man, at, at 90 years, I mean, if, if, if we're blessed enough to make it that far, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even want to think about what it would feel like to step on a powerlifting platform. It, I mean, it's this, cr- who, who would think, who would think at 80 years old, you yeah. find a sport and you're 80. So you're yeah. thinking like everyone around you, like you're going to do this a couple of times, maybe or whatever. <laughs> and someone put their hand on your shoulder and said, yeah. you're going to be a 10 year veteran in this yeah. sport. And, and you would look at me like I'm 80. Yeah. And you're going to be a, te- you're starting this at 80. You're going to be yep. a 10 year vet. Who yep. knows? He might be a 15 year vet within five years. Yeah, and he's he's done full power, but now he's had some back issues, so he's kind of relegated to doing bench only. But God bless him, man. And he's a crowd he's a crowd and a fan favorite. You know, Gino gets really hyped up for him, which is a lot of fun, and people just like to watch him. So yeah, I mean, if if you if you do notice Sam, go over and say hello and introduce yourself to him and and, and get a picture with him and post it up on the gram or something. I, he would he would really like that. Amazing dude. Um, listen, yeah. um, and, and shout out to your wife who's competing as well. And, uh, Eric Townsley yeah. and, um, all your lifters that you got, you got some, you got some, you got some champions in there. You got some world champions. We talked about, you know, your wife's extensive yep. resume. Um, she was a master yeah. lifter smashing open world records as a ma- like uh, also ageless as well. Um, smashing open yep. world records as a master as well. Uh, so she's competing. So good luck to her and everybody else, dude, you've got how many lifters so far, how many lifters you got and in, squeeze into so this? It's, yeah. So it's going to be 13 now that raise out. So I have 13 people total um, spread out across the week and, and yeah. So just really excited. We, we get down there on Saturday and the action starts on Monday. No rest for the weary. Mom- <laughs> Listen, uh, bless you, my man. I appreciate Bless you. when you come on this and, um, you know, I appreciate you, man. It's, it's an honor to have you on here, my mate. You are a living legend. So anybody who sees yeah. Matt Gary, you got to show respect when you see one of the OGs like Matt, who's been around since before you were live doing his thing and seen it all. And, um, thank you for like, just, you know, giving us some insight on handling and the approach of it and whatnot. Now, I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast are going to see the videos, um, a, we'll have a lot more appreciation for handling and, uh, hopefully it just opens their eyes to, to the game, like how long it's been here and how long have the people been putting it down. So, you know, the tide comes in, but it also goes back out and some people come in and out with that tide year after year, baby. And that's Matt Gary. So anyways, surf those waves, my man. We'll talk, talk at the end of this on the other side of it. Thanks, talk to you man. later, buddy. Thanks. All right.